You don't know what's out there. That's why I would go. Hi, and welcome back to Wild Dream, where we give you the freshest takes on the latest movies. My name is David. And my name is Daniel. And today, we are back. Bitch, we're back. Yeah, you missed us. Oh my God. It's Christmas. For a bonus episode. For a bonus episode. Yes. And it's not Christmas. It just rhymed. We are back for a very special bonus episode. Now, why is this a bonus episode, Daniel? That's trademarked. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, Daniel, why is it a b- 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 bonus episode? B- b- bonus. Shout out Comedy Bang Bang. The reason that it is a bonus episode is because, yes, we are back and we're going to talk about a bunch of movies that we saw. Not a bunch, a handful of movies, I should say, that we saw that came out in January. So we're going to give a little bit of recap on that. But why is that a bonus episode? You're not like back back? No. That this is not the season premiere <laughs> of season four. This is not the season premiere. Um, that will come later. And that is because David will be out of town next week. And then the, or I will be out of town next week. David will be out of town the week after that. Um, so. So we're going to be on another <laughs> short break. <laughs> but listen. Yeah. I, we will, we will give you guys uh, some insight here. Mm-hmm. All right. The first thing is, yes. Appeal, uh, let's peel back the curtain a little bit. Let's peel bit. back the curtain. Yeah. That song you heard, that is not for the bonus episode. That is the new Wild Dream intro song made originally by yours truly, Daniel. Yes. We finally have some original music instead of copyright free music, which is nice. Um, and mm-hmm. this artwork that yes. you're seeing on your phone. This logo. This is not for the bonus episode. No. This is the new logo for Wild Dream. That's we right. We are rebranding. Uh-huh. All right. So, we have some a little bit little little pieces of nuggets for you just just so, just to get you guys ready for season 4 coming That's, soon. Yes, new year, new us. New year, new us, okay? Now, here's another little tidbit and we will we, we're going to share this today, but just know that this is this is uh, we want you guys to be excited about something else, okay? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Part of the reason why the break has been so long is that we have been in the works of creating a short film. Aha! Uh-huh. So, that is why we've been on break for so long, okay? It's and a little will- Wild Dream production, <laughs> and while we, when we say Wild Dream production, we mean the only people who have been working on this movie <laughs> have been me, Daniel, and Taylor. That is literally it. That um, is literally true. So... I'll give a little bit of uh, credit to uh, Mr. Brent as well. <laughs> Mr. Brenton gave us some uh, set pieces so we can say he helped us as well yes uh, but true. yes no literally the crew is me david and taylor so it is a wild dream production it is extremely small scale short film but it has been an absolute blast to be doing it again and yes we will be reviewing the movie we will be giving it a two out of ten because it'll add many flaws <laughs> yes it will be absolute dog shit and it will be a representation of why it's so important for hollywood to hire us and give us money and crews and whatnot right Right. Um, but it's going to be really fun to have that premiere. And that's why we've been gone for so long. So we hope you guys forgive us. We love you. But we're also shooting some uh, little short comedic skits as well. That is also true. So also, we have well, a couple yeah. comedy bits coming out as well. So, yeah, we've been so. filming, 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 filming. So we had to take a break. Um, but for a good reason. Yes. Um, so. And 
We didn't stop watching movies. No, we did not. No, we did not. So what we are here to do today. How do we find the time? How do we, dude? We're both single mothers too. I, I just want to <laughs> just want to put that out there. Where do we find the time? Um, but yes, we did you see don't some. Taste movies. that dig up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so <laughs> we are here today to catch you guys up on. Our January movie adventures. Adventures. Okay. Uh, no, we did not see every single movie that came out in January. So two of the movies that we're probably going to be posting on Instagram at some point, maybe we'll see, is going to be The Book of Clearance. Neither of us have seen that yet, but that's on my list. I'm definitely going to go see it. And probably unlikely that either of us goes to see the Mean Girls uh, musical. Now, <laughs> as badly as Dave wanted me to go see it. And now here's the reason why I wanted <laughs> Daniel to go see it. And here's all you need to know about how I feel about this. I think that the original Mean Girls is a cinematic masterpiece. And I think the fact that they adapted it to a play and then adapted that play back into a movie is the dumbest and most unnecessary piece of shit I've ever heard of in my life, and I refuse to be a part of that. So fuck the Mean Girls remake. Just go watch the original Mean Girls. Okay, Rachel McAdams says the R word a couple of times. It's pretty great. So Yes, and I, I want to say, too, we talked about this a little bit, how much we didn't enjoy the idea of them. This is a movie, but we adapted it into a play, uh, a musical play for Broadway, and now we're adapting that musical play for Broadway to a movie. Can you guys, I was like, that'd be like if they took the Last of Us HBO show and then made a game based off of the show, not the original game that the show was based off of. I was yeah. like, this makes no sense and it's so dumb. No sense whatsoever. And I will not support it. So. Yes. So we are actually stands. Also, I'm sexist girls. and I hate women, so I don't no. want to. <laughs> no, I just as a single mother, I just, I, I just want you guys to understand that Mean Girls was so good. It was. Oh my God. It was for our generation. That movie's amazing. A classic, and you yeah. know, like like when you talk about what's a classic for your generation, like I feel like our parents' generation, like Gen X, like they talk a lot. Like like for instance, my one of my mom's favorite movies is Tommy Boy. You know what I'm saying? So there are comedy movies that are considered absolute classics. For that generation. And for us, Mean Girls is one of those. And so it just pissed me off that they that they did this whole thing and that they're like, oh, well, let's wokeify it, too. And I'm like, no, I want I want <laughs> Regina to use the R word. <laughs> like, I don't care. Anyways. Yeah, she's a bad character. She's supposed to do. Bad she's things. supposed to be a bad person. I'm not a fan. So I haven't, no seen, I haven't seen it. I'm not going to see it. Me either. But that's that's not because we hate Mean Girls. Right. Um, moving on. OK. Now, Daniel, we're going to give you the opportunity to talk about a movie that you went to go see mm -hmm. that was on your list that you wanted to see for positive reasons. Yes. Uh, and you are going to tell us about how you felt about it. Mm -hmm. You're going to give us your little score. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about my movie. Okay, good. Um, this is one I did not see with Daniel. Yeah, so we, we did see some of these movies separately and then we saw one together. So um, the one that I saw separately... Uh, I, I put it on my list as soon as I saw the trailer for it before we saw Poor Things. So before, uh, and when we went to go see Poor Things, we saw the trailer for this. And I was like, yo, that looks really interesting and cool. Um, this movie is called All of Us Strangers. And this movie, uh, essentially what you get from the trailer is that there's a writer who is kind of falling in love with the guy. Uh, yeah, I said guy. Uh-huh. What about it? R Repubs. Fucking repubs. <laughs> is that is that the <laughs> dims libs? You hey conserves. Listen up. <laughs> um, you sure about that? 
<laughs> you sure about that? That's why? You fucking concies. You fucking conservatives. Um, so he's falling in love with this guy while also he decides to go visit his childhood home uh, where he used to live before his parents passed away. And he finds his parents living there exactly the same age as they were right before they passed. And so it's very surreal. And I was like, oh, this movie's going to make me cry. This movie's going to make me cry. And we love movies like that, you know. Um, so I, I was very excited to go see this. Um, are we doing like spoiler free, spoiler? No, no, no. no. So no, spo- yeah, so no spoilers. Yes. No spoiler free. You just got it. All right. Okay. Here's what the trailer shows. Let's go. This movie, unfortunately, did not hit for me. It was one of the most mid, like absolute five out of ten. Like easily five out of ten for me. Wow. Talk about spoilers. <laughs> I know <laughs> I know that a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people are going to connect with it more than I did. But uh, it really suffers from being too surreal and buying too much into, what a twist. There's like twists hey, in the movie. Have you guys ever seen that movie, Requiem for a Dream? <laughs> dude, that movie's messed up. But good, dude. It's good as fuck. And so I I enjoyed certain little moments and parts of the scenes of the movie. But also I did yawn a lot in the movie. And the ending made me cringe. It gave me very much a ghost story vibes, which if y'all... I don't know if I've talked... I've definitely talked about that movie before. I'm not a fan of that movie. Um, Very cringy ending to me. And uh, again, there's just certain moments that really work. And so here's here's something I really want to mention. And I wish... This is where I'm like, I wish... It makes me miss watching movies with Dave so that we could have this shared experience of like, hey, that was weird, right? And he can be like, oh, that was so weird. It's the worst part of not seeing movies together is trying to explain to the other person why... We loved or hated something about, yeah. it, about it. So there's something that happened. Just fucking watch it. <laughs> so the the movie the movie has this. Uh, it just kind of just like that I said what the trailer is. That's exactly what happens. This guy this guy is a struggling writer who's like trying to figure out how to write this script about his parents, and so that includes his parents. Excuse me. He's a screenwriter, and he's also meets up with. He has a little meet cute with one of the guys in the apartment building, and he's so he's falling in love with this guy while also going back home to visit his family while going back home to visit his childhood home and he finds his parents living there and it's kind of you kind of take it with a grain of salt because you're like oh maybe this is just his mental image of trying to get into the voices of his parents for this you know the screenplay it kind of makes sense so you're not like what like you know it's pretty like okay you're kind of trying to figure it out um but anyways there's a you see him falling in love with this guy and so as, as their relationship progresses they start fucking right and there's a couple of like sex scenes and one of the funniest oh, shit here we go again one of the funniest parts and it's not supposed to be funny but i was like you're gonna be fucking kidding me right there's a scene where they're getting hot and heavy and then paul mescal who plays the guy the guy in the apartment building that uh, the main actor is falling in love with main character is falling in love with um <laughs> main actor <laughs> it's been a while guys. character doesn't give, give, us, a, give character us time doesn't give a fuck about him but give the actor, time uh, okay um, give it time we just we're this is a bonus episode i wish i knew the the actor's name too because he was in fleabag season two and he was so good he's a really good actor but anyways uh so paul mescal starts to go down on him to give him a blow job and as he starts going down, the music cue, I swear to God, the music cue is like really serious crime music, like crime noir, drama, CSI, you just found a dead body music. 
It was the weirdest. Th- I was like, wait, this makes no sense. What is happening? And it's like, it's like music that's trying to make you depressed while he's getting topped up. And I'm like, this is one of the most interesting music cues I've ever seen in my life. And it is funny. And I'm looking around and no one else is laughing. And I'm like, okay, it's just me. Um, but anyways, there are some scenes where he's talking to his parents and it's like, there, there's very interesting parts of this movie. Like the fact that he never got to come out to his parents cause he, they died when he was 10. Right. So he's talking to his parents as he's visiting them and he has to come out to his mom and she's not very cool with it and surprisingly and he's just like what what the hell and then when his dad finds out his dad is like oh i kind of knew and he's like what do you mean and he's like i so the most gripping emotional scene in the movie to me is when his dad tells him hey i kind of knew you were and he says how and he says you would come home and you would be crying in your room i could hear you crying and he says why if you knew i was crying and you knew that i was getting bullied at school like why did you never come help you know why whatever and his dad just kind of chokes up and he's like i i don't know i'm sorry i'm sorry like i never i never did enough for you but you know i love you and i love you the way you are this is a very emotional moment and it's like holy shit and that's the like the absolute peak of emotion i felt in the movie personally um however so here's the spoiler of the movie okay we're talking spoiler top spoiler of the movie here we go the spoiler of the movie <coughs> The, the big reveal, the big scene is so eventually as he keeps falling in love with this guy, he's like, look, you, you got to come to my house because my you're, you're going to just trust me. You know, because he's like, my parents are living in this fucking house. He's losing his fucking mind. Right. He brings his new boyfriend to the house and he's knocking on the door. He's knocking on the windows. No one's answering, of course. And you're just like, what the hell? What's going on? And then. He's, he's breaking down. He's like, mom, dad, like, what the hell? Like, come to the door. Hello, hello, hello. And then eventually he goes to the side door and he starts knocking and you see these two really ghostly figures approaching him in the darkness inside the house. Really cool shot. Really eerie feeling. And his boyfriend seems to have a reaction to it. But then they just back away and that's it. And he's like, look, we need to, like, you're losing your fucking marbles. His boyfriend's telling him, like, you're losing your shit. You're crazy. Let's, we need to go home now. They go home, blah, 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 blah. Okay, the big reveal is that eventually his parents tell him, look, we, we don't think you should come visit us anymore. That, sorry. And they kind of have this big goodbye. And again, you're, the surrealism is still like a little bit in the air. You're like, are they real or are they not? I'm so confused. He goes back home and he's like, I'm going to go visit my boyfriend. I'm going to go make up. Like, let's live together. Let's, let's, you know, I'm going to commit. He goes into his boyfriend's apartment and his boyfriend's dead body is lying, is in the bathtub. What the hell? The big reveal is that his boyfriend has been dead the entire time. What? So the night that they met, his boyfriend, like, there's a scene at the beginning where there's a fire or like some kind of hazard in the apartment and everyone has to evacuate. And that's when he meets him is he looks up as he's outside, he's looking up at the apartment building and he sees a man looking at him. And when he goes back inside and everything's clear, that same man who was looking at him from inside the building is, is this guy and he's holding a bottle of whiskey and he's like, he really drunk. And also I didn't, ex- I under- only understood 50% of Paul Mescal's dialogue in the whole movie. He has an extremely strong Scottish accent or Welsh or something. I don't know. Something really off that I am not really familiar strong with. Really strong accent. <laughs> and 
so he's mumbling and has an accent because he's drunk in this scene. And I was right. like, sure, uh, whatever he said. But he's kind of flirting and he's like, do you want to let me in? Like, do you want to, do you want some company? Are you alone? And he says, no. He's like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And so he's like, because he's a fucking stranger. And he's like, okay. And closes the door on him. So that night he goes back to his apartment and he dies, kills himself. Like takes too much, you know, get, drinks himself to death, takes some pills, whatever. So the whole time he's dead. But he's been, but the character has been imagining what if I had let him in that night, essentially. Oh. And so it's all play, it's all in his head. So the whole, that's why, and so at the end, you have this big reveal where he's talking. Now, this is why I say the ending is cringy. Here's how the ending goes. He goes in, he sees his boyfriend's dead body, comes back out to the living room and his boyfriend is there. And, and he's like, is that me in there? And he's like, yeah, like whatever. And he, but he's being really sweet and he's trying to like tell, and he's like, wait, did I die alone? blah 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 and he's like well I'm here right now like whatever it's just this very like sweet like but you didn't die I'm here for you like I don't know whatever and again it's like it's just so surreal it's like too surreal I guess it just didn't hit for me and um, the way that the movie ends is that they they go upstairs to the main character's apartment they cuddle and I swear to god it starts playing some actual song some licensed song the shot is them cuddling. This is the ending. <laughs> it's them okay. cuddling. It's a bird's eye view. And they start zooming out, zooming out, zooming. Is it zooming out? Is that the right term? Sure. Crane out. Yeah. yeah. So they keep getting smaller and smaller and they, the song keeps getting more dynamic and they turn into a star. And then it's a shot of like the space and they're just a star in space. They turn into a star. And the credits roll. Whoa! And I and I was just like, "This is so cringe, dude." I, I I'm not for me. I'm sorry. And it reminded me a lot of the ending of a ghost story. So it's just very five. Spoiler for ghost story, guys. <laughs> well, they nothing. No one turns into a star yeah, for a max. ghost story, but it is a cringe ending to me. But yes, um, did not hit for me. Um, I wanted the emotional scenes to be more emotional. Um, I thought that the surrealism and the choice to like have to have a twist was too much. I think that again, some of the music, the, the, the score choices and when they played and the type of music that played during the scene that's happening odd and did not match. And it definitely too long of a movie as well. It was way too long and it should have been quicker. The, the beats of the story getting there. So, yes, this was a straight five out of ten for me. All of us strangers. I wanted it to to be better. Certainly wasn't a bad movie. I really appreciated the idea of it for sure. It was very original and uh, interesting uh, concept. It just didn't pan out as interesting as it maybe was on paper. So, um, yes, that one gets a five out of ten from me. I've never talked that much in <laughs> without back and forth in this podcast. It feels weird. Can't relate. All right. <laughs> um, yes. So that's that's the movie I saw solo. Woo! What do you guys think? What did y'all think of all of us strangers? Now, all right. Well, thank you, Daniel, for going to go see that movie for me, for all the Absolutely. fans. Um, you know, it sounds interesting, actually. It, mm -hmm. And I think that it, the world does need more original movies, which I'm, is part of the reason why you wanted to go see that in the first place. Now it's my turn to talk about the least original movie that I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> fucking life. Um, 
in case you guys were wondering whether or not Blumhouse has completely fallen off and um, is just unreputable entirely, they have. And they are. And they are. Um, they're completely cooked. Uh, I have no respect for the entire company as a whole anymore. Anything that is touched by Jason Blum or Jason James Wan is fucking shit to me. <laughs> it's just slurry sludge in my mind. Moving forward for eternity, which is one of the harshest fall offs in history, you know, uh, on par with with Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby. Uh, Bill Cosby. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. I mean, I'm just naming a few. <laughs> I was going to say M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. Oh, damn. I got confused. My bad. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. Fall offs as in the quality. The quality of. Not their personal the lives and their crimes. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't compare them to that uh, if you're listening. But I went to go see. The cinematic masterpiece that is Night Swim. Oh, God, dude, you scared me, bro. You can't do that. Don't say it like that. Now, if you guys can't tell, I've been sick for the past couple of days. So <laughs> bear with me throughout my review of Night Swim. <laughs> now, dude, stop saying it. If it's you scary. haven't seen the trailer, Night Swim, <laughs> which I know is a terrifying. It's already funny. It's already terrifying. Night Swim. The trailer for Night Swim goes like this. There's a girl in a pool and... She's going, Marco, and her friend's like, Polo, Marco, Polo, Marco, and then it cuts to underneath the water, and there's a dark figure, and it goes, Polo. <laughs> Night swim. Night swim. <laughs> <laughs> now, if what you're thinking is, couldn't this entire movie be a five-minute short film? Yes. But no, we have to make feature-length movies out of everything. So here's the plot of Night Swim. Uh, the plot of Night Swim is the, is the smile plot. A, a, a term that we've coined on this we've, podcast. Yes, a term that we've coined on this podcast because Smile was the first movie that we reviewed that has this plot structure. Go listen to Smile. Go listen to our Halloween spectacular. <laughs> Go listen. If you if you don't know, we're, we're at a point now. Or if you know, you know. If you yeah. don't know, go back. Yeah. But... Just know. So, of course, it starts with a different family that's not the main family. And one of the main family dies of the entity that exists in this this story. Did they die because they swam at night? They died because they swam at <laughs> night, actually, shit. believe it or not. Holy so shit, That's terrifying. This movie is the most unoriginal and uncreative movie I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm going to go through the things that they have stolen from other movies um, to just piece together this worthless piece of shit movie. Okay. <laughs> So the first thing is the smile plot, right? So at the beginning of the movie, the entity kills the main, a different character entirely. And then as it the, begins to affect the main family, one of the characters goes back, researches the history of the entity, determines that a family previously to them had suffered from the entity, goes to visit that previous family. The previous family says, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> and so they're like, no, I'm going to be the ones defeated. And they go back and they defeat it a different way. Um, now, the only thing this movie doesn't have is it doesn't have the, um, oh, you didn't actually win thing, you know? Like the ending? Yeah, like every- The every, false positive. Yeah, yeah the, false po the false positive is what every uh, Smile movie has, where you think you won, you think that the thing that you did won, and then at the end of the movie, the very last shot is like, oh, no, you didn't, you know? 
Uh, this movie doesn't have that, but that's the only thing it's missing. Everything else it has, beat for beat. Now, this movie stars Wyatt Russell, and he plays a professional baseball player. Mm. Now, did he beef up for the role? No, he did not. Did he fix his scoliosis to make me believe <laughs> he was a professional baseball player? No. Um, the, 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 the idea is this, okay? He was a really highly talented professional baseball player. Like, you know, home run hitting, actual legit really good baseball player. Adolis Garcia, if you will. So he was a, a phenom. Phenom, okay? But then he gets diagnosed, I believe, with MS, right? So he is uh, struggling. He's rehabbing. He's struggling, you know, dealing with the disease, and he can't play baseball anymore. Now, the two pussy. things that immediately don't make any sense to me. <laughs> hey, settle down. Okay. <laughs> um, right off the bat, one, this guy looks not, I don't care if he has MS or not. He doesn't look anything like a professional baseball player. Um, the second thing that doesn't make any sense to me is they are trying to make it seem like the family while they're searching for a home is like on, on, on a budget. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah. They're like, I mean, this is a nice place, I guess, you know, they're like, but you know, uh, it's the same price as the other one. And it's like, what, why do y'all, f- you buy whatever fucking house you want? You're a professional baseball. I don't care if your contract was 10 days. You, right. there's no salary cap in baseball. Play, baseball players get paid ridiculous money. Are you kidding me? Like, especially like really good ones, like ones who actually make the the team's roster. You know what I'm saying? Like, not yeah. like AAA players, like an actual fucking legit professional Here's baseball a, player. I, I just googled this as you're talking so that we can have some context here. Because yes, if, for those who don't know, there's it's almost a meme to say to make fun of NFL players for not being NBA players because yeah. they make way less money. And get CTE, and then, <laughs> and, then uh, and then it's a joke to make fun of NBA players for not being MLB players because MLB players, besides like soccer, make the most amount of money in the world. Uh, here's here's some context. Uh, Shohei Otani, who was on the uh, Angels, I believe. This recent summer, he signed a new contract. 10 years, $700 million. $700 million. Which means even if you're a shitty baseball player, <laughs> you're still making like... Exactly. Do the to, ratio To there. make like $1.5 as a baseball player means like you're probably AAA getting moved up and down all the time. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how much money these motherfuckers make. So the fact that they're like, ah, oh, you know, he seems like he's on a budget. I'm like, no! <laughs> I don't care how many doctors he's seeing for his disease. I don't care what... No. Does MS affect your financial ability. I, I have no idea, but they're at, I blew it all, dude. So, and they have a lot of these like cringe flashbacks to his days playing, where it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a fantasy version where he's like glowing in gold, and like the background's all black and blurred out, and you can just see the the shining lights, and he's just. Uh, and it's like really fucking cringe and terrible. He's like so, Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 really weird, man. So anyway, so they buy the house that has the pool because they're like, oh, they they tell him in the beginning of the movie they're like, oh, you're gonna need um, you're gonna need uh, water therapy. It's gonna be really helpful for you. And then in your head, you're like, oh, night swim. <laughs> I, know, I was just about to say, oh no, not the pool. Please do don't do don't therapy at night. <laughs> don't do therapy at night. <laughs> But, but yeah, he's like, okay, 
let's buy the house with the pool. I need the, the water therapy. The kids are going to love it, whatever. And the wife's like, you sure about that house? Like, you know, the money. And it's like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Uh, so they buy the house with the pool. Shocker. Here's the plot. Here, here's how the plot goes. Okay. They have a pool that gets water from the spring. So they're being told that this area has a natural spring water that's like filtered spring water, right? And then in the past, there used to be like spas and stuff around the area where they would use the natural spring water because people thought it had healing properties and blah, 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 blah. And that the healing properties would be helpful for you. So really, really cool. It's really like rare to get a pool like this. So you guys got really lucky, right? Well, we start to learn that the pool water is haunted. We have a couple of scenes of people in the pool and they see different types of demons and things like that. So like, the, and it's just like when you talk about showing the monster, I mean, it just, they literally just show like a, a big fat, ugly guy. He's like all covered in black. And, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, well, he's in the pool. Okay. Uh, they have like a demon. They, oh yeah. The cat dies. It's like the first person to die. So there's that too. Um, yeah. Speaking of unoriginal, speaking of unoriginal, uh, yeah, the cat dies first smile. I heard of it. Uh, so yeah, the, the, all each kid sees there's two kids. They each see a different demon, but what's happening is that the dad, he's starting to feel a lot better. Like he's like starting to feel really good. Oh shit. Like, yeah. Like he's not like as, as you know, the MS gone, bro. Like he's fucking strong now. He's strong as shit. And he's like, bro, I'm going to be like back. I'm going to be like, I'm calling my fucking trainer. Like I'm going to be back like for real. Like well, probably so, got MS in the first place from getting the fucking vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> do fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, this is another situation where uh, the mom is like, hey, there's a demon in the pool. The two kids are like, hey, there's a, there's a, I think there's a demon in the pool. And the dad's like, you guys sound fucking insane. <laughs> I've never heard of a demon in the pool, okay? He's on roids again. Yeah. He's like, I feel fucking amazing. I feel fucking great. The spring water is helping me. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then they have like a pool party scene. Where, like, they invite everybody, and then what happens is, I, and this is so funny. You guys have to go see the movie just for this. This is, this is hilarious. So, they're playing chicken, right? So, there's this guy who has his kid up on his shoulders, and then the guy's like, I want to play chicken, but not with my son. I want to play chicken with someone else's son who was the guy who was actually the best player on the baseball team because my son is small and weak, and he's a piece of shit, and I'm actually just going to favor this other kid who's on his team who's better than him. And so the kid also has, like, a jealousy thing. You know, like, he's jealous of this other kid that his dad's paying more attention to. So they go and they play chicken with each other, and as they're playing chicken, they start walking into deeper part of the water, like walking and walking and walking until the dad is completely submerged in water, right? As he's submerged in water, a black smoke comes out of the train and circ and I, it's like pure fucking dog shit CGI black smoke demon. And it's like just like a tube of black smoke and it comes and it envelops his nose and his mouth. And <laughs> Have we ever seen somebody inhale a demon before? Yes. <laughs> yep. We saw this in fucking the Exorcist movie, the new Exorcist believer. Remember? I'm like, oh my god, we're really doing the in, the demon and gets inhaled by him thing. Like that's what's happening right now. And he's like, oh, I'm a demon now. So then he grabs the kid's legs and just holds it tight on his fucking body, and then starts walking underwater and starts fucking drowning the kid until everybody has to pull him off. And then people were like, no, like it's his MS. Like he can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no way. I swear to God. So like the family of the kid, the like the family of the kid was like, shut the hell up. Don't ever fucking come near our family ever again. And then everyone else was like, I don't think we're going to come back here. But then the mom is like, it's his MS. Like, you know what attacks his nervous system? Like, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's why he fucking drowned a kid. Anyways, they're like, you shouldn't be playing then if he has a disease. <laughs> so. All right. I'm taking a note right now. If I have the uh, the misfortune of contracting MS and having that disability, very, very awful, you know, disability, I will do whatever I want. And I'll just say it was my MS. <laughs> <laughs> you just punch your boss in the face. <laughs> That's my, my MA. MS, bro. It's my MS. Damn it. Sorry. I just walk into stores and walk out without paying. It's my MS. <laughs> my MS. It attacks my nervous system. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways. Uh, so now we know, okay, daddy is fully possessed, right? So when she goes to investigate in the past, she goes to this girl who she knows for a fact that this woman, that her, um, her, daughter died in the pool right like we know this or she went missing or whatever and she was like what happened in the pool she's like nothing i don't even have a daughter she's like what what are you talking about your daughter she's like no it's always been me and my son and the water is great and the water is really helpful like i like love the water <gasps> oh, oh yeah it's really bad she's like and my my son's like doing great like he's like a freaking he's the president <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever. Uh, but, and, and it's really like cringy because it's a, so like, here's why it's a little bit cringy. It's, it's an Asian family. Okay. So what you're learning in this scene is that the water gives you your greatest wish, but it has to take a sacrifice in order to grant that wish. Mm. Okay. And so we're being told that this Asian mother sacrificed her daughter so that her son could be successful. Oh, my God. <laughs> now her son's a successful doctor and businessman and also a, 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 a senator. You know? Stereotypes, <laughs> man. Like, come on, man. That's so fucked. But anyway, so during the scene, while she's, like, confronting her, the woman starts to bleed from bleed black from her eyes. Like uh, the Billie Eilish music video. Like the Billie Eilish music video. And then she turns to her and she smiles really creepily. <gasps> like smile creepy smile like smile what the heck and we're like this is so scary <laughs> she's smiling she's smiling that's a fucking terrifying you're not supposed to be smiling in this situation she has black eyes <laughs> oh that's fucking scary dude uh i'm freaking out I'm freaking dude. out right now <laughs> uh so she's like okay let's get the fuck out of here so then we get the the climax of the movie which is um, uh, the climax of the movie is <laughs> oh, the God. so the the hey settle down. <laughs> Sorry, when I hear climax, it just does things to me. I'm gonna come. <laughs> so we get to <laughs> here's the climax of the movie. So the little kid, the 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 cat, they don't know the cat's dead. The cat is damn. Weird. The cat is missing. Bad owners. Okay, they think the cat is missing. Oh, so then okay. he, the little kid, hears the cat and he sees that the cat's on the water. Now the cat, now the the kid. Knows that there's a demon in the pool. Uh-huh. He knows this. He has seen the little girl who died earlier as a ghost and has been told, like, hey, don't go in the water. It's fucking, there's a demon. But then he hears the cat in the water and he's like, oh, I gotta go to help. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, he falls into the water. The demon starts closing the pool, which, again, this was another stupid thing because it's like they have a pool cover 
and they start closing it. I'm like, you know, those that you can just push them up. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like they don't like they're intentionally made so that they don't drown somebody if they're fucking underneath. They're not watertight. Right. You know what I'm saying? And they're you can just push them up. But if they're like, no, he's going to drown. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the mom and daughter, they come up and they're trying to. The, here's their way to defeat the demon here. Let's just hold the thing and then he can't turn it. And then, the, oh, the demon is stronger than them. Fine, fine, what? Fine, fine, what the hell? So then they're like, okay, well, now we got to go in the water. We got to save our son. Or I got to save the son. So she's going to go in the water, which, by the way, here's the other thing that we're, we're learning. Um, the spring water is everywhere. And this is important, okay? Mm-hmm. The spring water is in their tap. The spring water is in their shower, mm-hmm. okay? That's really important for the ending, okay? Toilet. It's in their toilet. Holy shit. Holy shit. No. Unholy shit. Unholy shit. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) So that's important to know because all the water in the house is like shaking and like ripples and like everything everywhere. Right. Scary. (laughs) Um, And the dad has been like, he's been fucked up. Right. He's like, no, I'm getting better. You know? And so he's like, I don't care if someone has to die. (laughs) I want my wish granted. I want to go back to the MLB, please. And I don't know why the mom isn't like, okay, which kid? <laughs> but <laughs> okay, which kid? <laughs> which sacrifice are we? I miss having a housekeeper. I miss having a housekeeper. <laughs> so then they, so she goes into the water, and what ends up happening is again they have infinite breath. So just keep that in mind. They're underwater for like fucking twenty minutes. Wow. And they get sucked into this other world, right? And again, when I say this movie is the most uncreative and unoriginal movie I've ever seen, here's what they do. They are dragged into an all-black abyss, okay? And as they look up, they have a small window of light where they can see where the actual pool is. Does this sound familiar at all? To me, it makes me think of Get Out. Yep. It looks exactly like the sunken place in Get Out. It looks exactly like the sunken place in Get Out. So... That is, okay, so we have the smile plot. Okay, that's completely unoriginal. And then we have, okay, the, the pet is the one who goes missing first. Okay, that's completely unoriginal. Yeah. We've seen that times. We have the creepy smile from Smile. That's completely unoriginal. Uh, we have the uh, demon fucking, inhaling. The demon inhaling, completely unoriginal. I think that happened in our, our only zero out of ten score on this entire podcast for It Lives Inside. I'm pretty sure they inhaled some demons in that, too. I gave the nine, nine out of ten. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we did double zeros for It Lives Inside, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so, oh yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah. So it lives inside. Yeah. We have a demon. Yeah. So it's like, okay. So there's five elements of this movie so far that are completely unoriginal. Not even like, oh, well they took in for inspiration from, no, <laughs> yeah. not even that. Like literally just fucking stole this. We also have the black crying thing. And then, so we're going to get, and then now we have the fucking get out that they stole the sunken place from get out. It looks exactly like that. Yeah, it looks great. Looks really cool. Looks really interesting. But but the whole time I'm like, I don't care how interesting and cool and and uh, and awesome this looks because it's stolen from Get Out. It looked awesome and cool and original in in Get Out. You yeah. know. So then while this is happening, the daughter is realizing, okay, the now dad is completely gone. And here's the here's another element that is completely unoriginal. And I, hey, can we get rid of this in horror movies? I'm 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 calling for a full stop on this. His veins are black. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His veins are black. The blood vessels in his fucking thing is black now, and they're bulging. And he has black veins going from his eyes. <laughs> oh, his black vein eyes. Oh, that's so fucking scary. Black vein eyes. Black vein eyes. Like it just black sounds like a song. It's black vein eyes. Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It look. It doesn't look scary anymore. It's not scary anymore. It's never. It hasn't been since the first fucking time we saw black vein eyes. <laughs> and that, dude, black that, vein I really want to make a song about this. <laughs> uh, it just rolls off the tongue. She's black. got those black vein eyes. Possessed by a demon. <laughs> Anyways, she possessed my heart she, with those black vein eyes. <laughs> Anyways. So he has black veins. It just looks so unoriginal and so uncreative. It's just something we've seen in every other fucking movie. It's so terrible. But here's my favorite part of the entire movie. So this is my, I, I know we didn't do your favorite part, least favorite <laughs> yeah. part, but here's my favorite part, okay? My least favorite part is that they stole from Get Out for the only interesting part of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Here's my least favorite part, but it's also my favorite part. It's the best line in the movie. Wow, and and the worst line in the movie. Okay. Okay. The daughter realizes. He's like, he says, what are we, some kind of night swim or something? <laughs> worse. <No way. laughs> okay. It's worse. It's worse. Okay. Here's what happens. So the daughter realizes <laughs> that the dad is bad. Right. And she's like, oh, fuck. He's not going to help me. He's, he wants the, the pull demon to win. Right. So they, she starts running away and he, he's like. He's standing in the middle of the kitchen, center frame, looks up, looks right at the camera, and goes, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And I wish I was kidding. I wish I was fucking kidding. Oh, Oh my my God. God. And this is, and it gets worse, too, because they really buy into this. Marco. And then, Uh, and I sort of got. I'm getting mad, and I didn't even see it. (laughs) And I'm telling you right now, so the character, the the actor in real life, he has, like, uh, blonde hair, but in the movie, it looks like red hair a little bit. It's like a little bit of a mix. And I'm telling you right now, the, that line was so funny to me. It was so funny to me that because of this like weird, like he like his beard kind of looks like a red beard. In my head, when I picture this scene, it's Andrew Santino. Like that's, <laughs> that's who says Marco. <laughs> like in his little fucking, you know, cocky, like Marco. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just so fucking funny to me. Anyways. So then he's like, Marco, Marco. When he's like walking around the house. And then we're supposed to get this jump scare, which again, they don't blast the audio for the jump scare. But at this point in the movie, I was kind of wishing they would just so I could jump a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But instead, it's just like he just goes, you're supposed to say polo. You're supposed to say polo. And that's how he says it. You're supposed to say polo. Do you guys not know how the game works? I don't know how the freaking game works. So while this is all going on, the mom saves the the whatever. And eventually the husband is trying to drown at least one of them. He's like, one of you motherfuckers has to drown for my dream to come true. Uh, and then he uh, ends up throwing up and he throws up the demon and he's like, oh shit, I'm not a bad guy. Actually, I don't want my family to die. <laughs> and then he's like, well, there needs to be a sacrifice. Like someone has to die uh, for the thing to stop, you know, eventually whatever, because it's still like affecting his kid even after he's thrown it up and whatever. Uh, so he goes to go drown himself so he goes to drown himself and he sacrifices himself and gives himself to the, the demon. Wow. Um, so now he's, he's gone. 
Now, here's the part that we're going to come to play. Remember when I said the spring water is everywhere? Mm-hmm. They defeat the demon by draining the pool and then filling it with dirt. Okay. But the demon exists in the spring water. This doesn't get addressed? It doesn't get addressed, the fact that, no, no. Oh, so it's just a straight plot hole. They're like, oh, he, we won. We beat him. We defeated it. And they don't like We show just shouldn't it. swim at they, night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> the demon only comes out at nighttime. <laughs> they could have kept the pool. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Marco. <laughs> Marco. Marco. Uh, but yeah, so it was just, it was terrible. Um, and here's the last thing that I'll, I'll bring up, okay? And this is, I'm not saying this was a direct ripoff. Everything else it was. Everything else was directly, hey, let's just do what these other movies did, right? Um, but here's another thing, and it's not a direct ripoff, but it is something that's unoriginal about this movie. There's a book called The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. And if you recognize the name of that book, it's because it's written by two very famous people. It's written by Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning, two of the most recognizable YouTubers ever, right? Now, this book is actually really, really good, and I highly recommend it. Lost Causes of Bleak Creek is a fantastic, you know, somewhat mystery, comedy, you know, sci-fi novel. It's, it's, it's got all these different elements. It's really, really interesting. But here's a, a you know, a... Uh, synopsis? Not synopsis. Here's what they stole from this movie. It's a bit of a spoiler, okay? So if you don't want a spoiler for the book, don't listen. But... That book is about a guy who discovers that a, a spring has a demon in it, and he uses the spring to get a wish back to, to to reclaim something that he lost. Like that's what that book is about. There you go. So they stole that too. <laughs> yeah, that whole book is about a guy who oh the the thing will grant you a wish if you give it sacrifices because the spring water has a demon in it. Yeah, straight ripoff. Just a hundred percent fucking ripoff of Bleak Creek. And so I'm just like, dude. I where's, where's the meme? The the everybody hanging out. Man, fuck night swim. All my hate night swim. All my, <laughs> hate swim. Okay, all my homies hate night swim. All my homies hate night swim. Yes. So fuck night swim. I give night swim a zero out of ten. Wow. Not because one. the movie itself was so bad, but because it stole from fucking eight out of ten to nine out of ten movies. To just make a fucking piece of shit that everything good about this movie was stolen. Mm-hmm. Everything good about it. everything original or creative or interesting about this movie was stolen from someone else who did something original, creative and interesting. Yeah. So absolutely nothing from it, because it's like even when you come down to where the demon came from, the fact that Lost Causes of Bleak Creek, the book did that already makes me go, oh, well, this is a fucking zero. They, they didn't do anything new. Anything original. Boom, zero. And fuck Blumhouse, dude. Blumhouse is cooked. Blumhouse is complete. Dude. I agree. Russell Wilson has more in him (laughs) (laughs) than fucking Blumhouse does. So Jason Blum and, and, and James Wan, who I know is a big, you know, Blumhouse guy, they're both just completely washed. And it's really sad to say and see, but fucking Night Swim guys, really? (laughs) Boom. A zero out of 10. Get fucked. Do you see? Look. I kind of knew January, man. I kind of knew. Yeah, we we this, <laughs> we planned for this. We planned that January was going to be a dry month. Yeah, you know, but dry January. I will say this: the sliders at AMC. <laughs> we New went, menu item. We went to see. We went to go see Night Swim. Me and Taylor as a date night because we love to watch shitty horror movies together. Um, so we went to go see that. We got the sliders. Taylor was not a fan of them. I liked them a lot. 
I gave the sliders as a movie snack, not like as an actual meal, as an actual dish, as a movie snack, probably a five out of 10, which is pretty good. Considering popcorn's a 10 out of 10 movie snack, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, and then you get like raisinets or like a one to, for me. Sorry. I don't know. A lot of people love raisinets. Fuck raisinets. Damn. Also, fuck red vines. I'm a Twizzler guy. Oh, Wow. Okay, one day we will Opinions. go through our top five movie snacks. Okay. Bottom five movie snacks. Yeah, peanut M&M's are top five, baby, Dude, for God me. Dude, God tier. God tier movie um, snack. Okay. And then... Sliders. I'll, I'll check those out. Yes, so yeah. So check them out. Check out the sliders. Don't check out Night Swim. Uh, now, before we get into the only movie that me and Daniel watched together this uh, January, there is one more thing that we need to talk about. And it's it's a TV show. <gasps> TV because this is the thing me and Daniel have actually been obsessed about more than anything else and talked about more than anything else over the course of January. I know we don't really talk about TV on this podcast, but I think we have to talk about the curse. Mm-hmm. The curse. The curse is a TV show that's on Paramount Plus. It's by Showtime. I, I know the streaming thing is getting fucking out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a bit. At it this seems point. like a bit. It's so the show is made by Showtime, but it's on Paramount Plus. It is made by two of our favorite creators, uh, especially as of late, and Nathan Fielder, a comedic genius, and Benny Safty, a uh, anxiety genius. <laughs> anxiety genius. That's true. So you know these two guys teamed up to make a TV show. Uh, with Emma Stone in it, who and Daniel's been talking about the Emma show. Stone, especially if you listen to our <laughs> Poor Things episode, which you did because it's our most popular episode <laughs> ever. Um, you know that Daniel talked about Emma Stone and like how she's like really legit as an actress and how she's like, you know, in her part of her career, she's in her her Robert Pattinson phase, you know, right now, which is interesting enough because she's actually doing something with Benny Safdie in this in the Curse. Um, yeah, just choosing uh, the best scripts and the best projects rather than the most money profitable ones. Um, exactly. I Which, love it. You know, she's at a point in her career where she can do that. And also we found out, you know, later that her husband, Dave, who is also one of our favorite creators. That's right. Um, he made he was a part of the curse as well. Like yeah. He also helped with the writing and, and the production and everything. So this was just a. a you, you can't get, a, you know, a more interesting combo of creators. True. You know, like, I'm just like, this is a very wild thing to, of putting these people together um, because of who they are and, like, their backgrounds and, like, the weird, like, I feel like you took Benny Safdie, who was, like, has a, a, a foundation in comedy, who makes uneasy movies that make you anxious and uncomfortable. And then you get Nathan Fielder who has a background in comedy who makes content that makes you uneasy and uncomfortable (laughs) and they're making something together and it's the most fucking uncomfortable and uneasy thing ever. And it's so fucking good because of all the elements that they put into it. And I just think that it's one of the best like seasons of a TV show that I've seen in a long time. I think so too. I was, I was thinking about this recently. I was like, this is the best show I've seen since. And I kind of had to think. And I was like, I think probably since I know this much is true, which was from 2020. So it's almost, that's very true. It's like three, four years since I've been this completely like gripped by a show. Um, and, and that was another show you, you, you like were hounding me on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know this much is true. Um, 
And so I, there's something, when you talk about original, holy fuck, this show is original. Yeah. So I've never seen original. anything like this. And I, I, the only thing that I've heard this compared to, uh, from different, cause I'm trying to not many, me and Dave are the only people I know that watch this show and I'm trying to, and I know that the, it's a controversial show in terms of how it's perceived. Uh, I, there's a really shitty movie aggregate site that, um, <laughs> that we have also shit on early in this podcast. Yes. And, uh, and, and they have, apparently the critics are like, yeah, this is like in the nineties. And then the audience scores like thirties, forties, like a lot of people hate this show and do not like it. I'm that they blows, just don't get it. that blows my mind. My friend, Justin is the only other person I've talked to about the show. And, uh, he is a big fan of it too, which me and Justin, uh, when we used to live together back in Texas, we used to binge Nathan for you together. We would wa- we watched that show all the way to the very finale, the Finding Francis documentary. So we are very familiar with Nathan Fielder, and we're big fans of him. And so he's the only the person I talked to about the show. But there's su- this show is I think it's also I know that you are anti. I know that you're kind of pro binge movement. You like when an episode, uh, a season of a show releases at once, right? Kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate it from yeah. time to time. I, because I, I know, like, uh, I know that for Severance, you were like, dude, like you were getting salty at the all the episodes not being out yet. Well, the thing about Severance was that the show was moving so fucking slowly. I was getting pissed about it. Mm-hmm. I think that was the reason why I was so upset with with Severance because I was like. Bro, I have to wait a week for five minutes worth of plot progression to happen. Yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ. See, that's what's interesting, too, is the people I've talked to that are not big on this this show, who, like, tried it, they're like, it's way too slow. Way too slow for me. And that that kind of blows my mind. That's, I'm like, no, no way. I'm like, but I think that, I think that you're talking about something different than what they are, to, to be fair. So you're saying... It's not that there's nothing happening on screen. It's like what's happening on screen is taking 20 minutes to, to do, even though it only moves an inch forward in story. Like, is that kind of what you're saying about uh, severance? Yeah. Okay, that I totally understand and get. So, like, whereas this is like a lot is happening from this one scene, but it's also taking its time pacing-wise in the scene. Well, yeah, there's not you know? really a plot for this series, too, which I, I think is like... I mean, there is and there isn't, but like, it's like you have to find the plot, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you have to, and that's, that's why, and, and we're going to get into this. We thought, I thought the season finale was unsatisfying mm-hmm. and Daniel appreciated the, the, the season finale. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest controversy. Like we were on the same page about everything up until the season finale. Yeah. We're like geeking out and talking about the latest episode while we're working out. Yeah. <laughs> like we're in the gym, just like doing exercises and then talking about cinematography, which is the most us way to work out. <laughs> it really is. Pump and I were like, yeah. Yeah. And I think the metaphor of the nails in his hand, like <laughs> I love the voyeuristic filmmaking style. Um, did you notice this? Uh, <laughs> like, cause Daniel was talking about the, uh, what was it? The, um, continuity errors, or I guess like yeah, the the this weird like the fourth wall breaking. fourth wall breaking that they had in the movie. So like or the show like so getting into the show like one of the things that's really creative about it is that it's shot in a way that makes you think there's something more going on than there really is. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is that the show is about these two 
characters who are creating an HGTV show about these passive homes that they're creating. So they're homes that are completely eco-friendly. They don't use AC or anything like that. They, you know, they're, they are, you know, they save more electricity than they produce or whatever, you know? So these passive homes, you know, are part of this community and in this community, they're also doing good things in the community by creating business, local businesses and creating, helping with jobs. And when their homes end up creating a higher market value and people are pushed out of their homes, they're helping house those people and make sure that they still have affordable housing and blah, blah, blah. But the, the show is about their relationship really. And how it's kind of like falling apart in a way because, you know, they don't know, like maybe they got into the relationship for the wrong reasons and they don't know each other as well as they thought that they did. And, you know, and then we have this other character uh, played by Benny Safdie who comes in and he's the guy who's helping them create the show. And he's kind of causing rifts in their relationship because he's pushing, uh, you know, one of the characters to talk shit about the other one. And he's, yeah. you know, making fun of the other guy and, you know, whatever, which him and him and Asher, the main character that Nathan plays there, they go back there. They, yeah, they went were to high school together. And yeah. Yeah, they were like in summer camp and stuff like yeah. that. So like it's a weird relationship between all three of them. And the show just plays out where they, they just it's really just showing who they are and what their personalities are. So like when I say there's not really a plot, there's not like a problem and a goal and an obstacle to overcome. Like there is per episode, but not for the whole season. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the first couple episodes, well, they have a newscaster who does an interview with them. That's unfriendly and unsatisfying. So they're trying to get them to pull that interview. And so in order to pull that interview, they have to give them dirt on another interview or another scoop or another story that they could go and pursue instead. Mm -hmm. you know, for the reporter. So like there's that. Okay. Well, that's not for the whole season. That's just for the first episode, first two episodes. Right. Yeah. And then there's like another problem. So like, I guess the problem is, is that they want their show to make it to air and then everything is trying to solve problems to get their show picked up. But then the show gets picked up, you know, which honestly relatable as we're filming this thing, it's like, are we going to be able to actually finish this movie? Are we going to be able to actually make this movie? It's like, exactly. Th- yeah. Th- there is a stress. Again, we talk about anxiety and stress and how Benny, the Safdie brothers are kind of masters of it. It has that. It has that. It, it also has it on a more microscopic level in different scenes, but it does have this, there is this constant thing of getting in the way, shit getting in the way of this production. Yeah. And it's like relatable. Get it. I totally get it. And yeah. 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 And it's like, and, and you also have like this weird, like, Nathan for you esque thing where like they're trying to enter, they're trying to do parts of the show for the buyers of the house, but then it's like, they actually haven't bought the house yet. And so they're really just trying to sell them the house and they're not very interested and they don't think it's interesting or cool at all. And like, so then it's like, you know, it's like the thing with Nathan for you where he's like, you know, like you would see him coming like, Hey, can you like act like you care? Like you give a shit, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever. And like, and so they end up, especially in the way that he speaks is like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then they have to like fucking recast all, you know, these people. Yeah. So there's just a lot that goes into the show that is like these little micro plots, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Instead of this one large, you know, progressive plot, like severances, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like the, the plot, quote unquote, that is so intriguing to me in this show throughout all 10 episodes is peeling back layers of who the characters are. 
Yes. That's really what it is. Showing it is, more and more of who yeah. they are and their personality. And, and I actually think the most interesting character or the one who I wanted to see the most of was Dougie, who was played by Benny Safdie. He's like the third wheel of the show. And I thought his character, because they have this whole thing about this character where he killed his wife while driving drunk one night. And that he is like still to this day drinks and drives. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, this is like such a weird thing for this character and such an interesting, like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, and it's just like becomes one of these things where you start to realize that he is someone who like, he is somebody who always wants what he, he's going to do what he wants every mm -hmm. single time. It doesn't matter what's the right thing to do or what he should be doing or what other people want him to do. He's going to always do what he wants and he's going to find a way to justify it. That's who he is. And then you have this character, Whitney, who is someone who thinks that she's a really good person and outwardly projects that she's a really good person, but actually does really shitty things and doesn't know how to be a good person. And my, my thing about her, the, the way I described her is this. She does not know that none of her friends are her friends. Like, that's my way to describe her. She thinks that everyone around her likes her, but nobody around her likes her. Yeah, zero uh, social awareness. Yeah. Uh, which is an, also an anxiety kind of feeling. Yes, because she's on, talking to people and you're like, they fucking hate yeah. her. And she's and, like, oh my God, we're like... Dude, I'm telling you, this show made me do a lot of self-reflecting. Like, through through multiple characters' lenses. I was like, oh my God, am I this way? Am I like this? Do I do this? Am, am I too forgiving? Am I too... Like, it... it that's something I feel so interact. It's, it inter it's an interactive show to me. It really yes. is. And, I, and and then so yeah. you have and then you have the last character and this is uh, Nathan's character Asher. And the way that I describe him is that he is someone who is so hyper fixated on his plans and goals, but he doesn't realize that his natural instincts are actually really good. Mm -hmm. He doesn't trust his own instincts and instead hyper fixates and obsesses over a plan and a process and a procedure. But his actual instincts are just fine. And he's a good person. Yeah, he's also he it's an arc for sure, because he you you would not view him as a good person after the first couple of episodes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but again, it's just peeling back layers of that character. Now there's some stuff that's also really eerie and creepy about him and stuff that you that you would not want to be around. Exactly. Him. That's true too. And uh, his most interesting thing of his survival techniques in terms of social settings is that it's very clear that he, he is the butt of the joke it, with Dougie. Like Dougie is making him the butt of the joke, but his survival instincts are to go, ha Yeah, that was funny. Right. Then when y'all pranked me, he's, yeah. he's like, no, we're, we're all in this together. And that's his survival instinct. And I low key like really related to that. I, I have been that in, in growing up and all oh, of the fat jokes and stuff. I'm like, yeah, oh, blah, 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 blah. and I do the truffle shuffle and I, oh, I'll be the fat kid. We're all in this together. Right. This is funny. It's like, I totally get that. He's but it's also reaches like this point where you're like, you just kind of feel bad for him. You just yeah. feel bad for this character. He is definitely somebody who elicits a lot of sympathy throughout the throughout the show, and I think up until the very end, you know, like very sympathetic character. Um, but yeah, it's just like he he is the reason why the show is called The Curse because he gets cursed, and then he obsesses over being cursed for the rest of the show. 
mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's like his obsession and his, like, I think that's like his biggest character flaws, his obsession, obsession with everything, every little thing he gets obsessed over. But then like when he just does things out of instinct and he just does things without thinking, he normally does the right thing, you know? And at least like, you know, for the most part. And so it's just a weird, oh man. Yeah. That's. I don't know. I just get so attached to some of some of his characters moments in the show, because like you said, like that's his problem. If he would just not obsess, not hyper fixate on things, he would be so much more at peace. But that's why I fucking relate, because he has these moments where even as an audience member, not even just in his character's lens, you're like. I want to know what's going on. I want to know why there's chicken on the sink. Who, who put the fucking chicken yeah. on the sink? And, and he's asking people, hey, so, and he's trying to keep his composure. He's trying not to play his cards. He's, he's trying like, not to go, hey. look, who the fuck put the, you know, that's what he wants yeah. to do, right? But he's like, hey, I mean, come on, man. Who, right. put, who put the chicken on the sink? Like, you know what it's like? <laughs> <pretty good. laughs> Dougie, did you do it? It's like, he's, he's asking people, hey, oh, let me get some security footage. Weird. These people are the last people. That, he's really doing his research. He's, he has every right to be suspicious. He has every right to question the people that he's questioning. And when he asks these people and he really tries to get to the bottom of it, they're like, oh, that whole thing? Like, come on, man. Like, let's, let's we're filming today. Can we not focus on that? And he's like, mm-hmm, but it'd be cool if I knew who did it. And it's right. like, and I, and I hate to like go there with this, but as someone who has had suspicions of infidelity before, oh, like I start fixating on it. I would be a lot happier if I just had trust. Right. And just right. was like, this is no big deal, but I'll, I'll hyper fix fixate on it. And I'm like, oh, who is it? Was she with this person? I've dealt with this, you know, my whole life. It's just a part of relationships. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm hyper fixating when I, and I will, I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be at peace until I know whether yes or no. Until I can have concrete proof, yes, you're cheating, and here's who it's with, or no, and here's why you were wrong about it. I, I would much rather deal with the sadness and the outcome of, yes, I was cheating, and here's who I was. I can breathe by knowing that yeah. instead of compl- always yeah. wondering and being told that I'm crazy. Yeah. So I relate like, like to that, this, The dude. chicken scene was definitely a big right? part of that. So like, Everyone's telling him something and, and different. And if you guys haven't seen the show and you're like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Here's what, here, <laughs> the chicken scene. The, the, the curse that he gets cursed with is a tiny curse. And the little girl who curses him says like, oh, I was a tiny curse. And I said, no chicken in your pasta. And then he actually didn't have chicken in his pasta later. So then at some point he's like obsessing because he thinks the curse isn't over yet. And he's at a, like a, just a regular place and he finds chicken on the like raw chicken on the sink of a bathroom. And he's trying to figure out who put it there. So like. Throughout the thing, there's a bunch of like chicken references that end up yeah. triggering him. He's like, ah, I'm cursed. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it all culminates because what it, it, the, the show is shot. And when I say the show is shot in a way that makes you think there's something more going on than what really is. It's that the show is shot voyeuristically, meaning it's shot. It's shot like a mockumentary. Like the shot composition of the show mm-hmm. is not shot like a like a real you know, show it's shot like a mockumentary or like a Nathan Fielder show. You know what I mean? It's, it's shot like a reality hidden show. Cameras hidden in the cameras, hidden yeah. cameras. You know, we're actually in the room with these people, not, not like OTSs and clothes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Shit like that. No shallow depth. You know what I'm saying? Everything's in full focus, like that kind of shooting where it's like, Oh, well just in case we're going to make sure everything's in focus. Yeah. Like there's no artistic creative creativity with it, but because it's doing that, it's artistic and creative. It is. Because it's not a reality show. So it makes you go, 
are they actually, are they filming them when they're not supposed to? Are they filming? Are they using security camera footage in their house? Is what we're watching the actual show and what they're filming, not the real show. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then it starts to, you start to realize, oh, like Whitney is a bad person. Whitney is uh, still in contact with her parents still and still getting funded by her parents. And Whitney is potentially going to be set up to be exposed in a way, because her friends and you know whatever who she says like she's super down with the indigenous people, and then turns out that she's not actually supporting them in the ways that she's supposed to, mm-hmm. and like what's going to happen with all this? None of that comes to fruition <laughs> because of what happens in the finale. Daniel, go ahead and tell them about the finale, and you can say why you loved it. And uh, I'll say why I, I just didn't well. Love let me it. let me blow this show a little bit more. Uh, something that we haven't said, kind of just straight, frankly, is the amount of different genres or moods that this show has. This show will make you laugh out loud because it funny. is legitimately funny. It's a comedy. Scary. It will make you unnerved and kind of eat like. There are points where I was expecting almost a jump scare, even though there was no scare coming. So yes. it has legitimate horror elements. Drama. Um, drama AF. I love some of the scenes of just straight monologues and dialogue and acting and back and forth. And it reminds me of like the dinner table scene in Hereditary where shit comes to a, a an absolute What's the word? I guess climax. Uh And uh, everyone. I'm going to (laughs) come. Everyone reveals their inner selves and their truths and they argue and they, I mean, the t-shirt, the sweater scene, it was so, I was like, I'm in on this show. Yes. I was, I am in. This show has everything I like. Sci-fi. Sci-fi. There are surreal elements. There are stuff that stuff that can't be explained. There is uh, the the score for this show is weird, 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 weird. There are repeated mantras throughout the show that you want to. There are so many metaphors. The amount of distorted reflections in the show is like what is what's happening. What is the choices? There's so much to chew on. So much you Romance. can do an entire dissection of this show. And just continually find stuff to to figure out. It gives you so much while playing off, like playing as so little. And just so, oh, yeah. this scene is they're in a coffee shop and they have a conversation. But then you dissect that scene and you're like, what the fuck? And the show makes you extremely cringe. The cringe element of the show. The cringe. Completely uncomfortable. And, and I, look... I, I brought this up, but like people say, I can't watch Scott's Tots from The Office. I always skip that. Episode I tell you that all the time because it that's makes the one me uncomfortable. I cannot. I will never I, rewatch that episode again. It makes me cringe harder than any other episode of The Office. There's no episode of The Office or moment of The Office that is that uncomfortable to me to that point where like not at all. This show finally did it. It finally gave me some points where I was like, I don't like watching this. Like I, I not don't like. I don't like, not that I don't like, but what I'm watching. (laughs) No, there's, I think the very end of episode nine really got to me. I was like, I feel so uncomfortable right now, but yeah, there's multiple moments. And of course the, the one that's going to be the most like memed or whatever from this show, in my opinion, I think is going to be the very end of one of these episodes where he's taking a comedy class and they say, (laughs) they say, you, the point of the exercise is you have to make everyone laugh without making any noises. You're not allowed to talk or anything. And you just have to do something quick to try and make everyone laugh. So some people will stick their tongue out. Some people will like put their finger in their nose and it's coming up to Asher's turn. And then he goes, okay, Asher, your turn. And he grabs his ears, pulls them out and makes this weird sound. And, goes, <laughs> wee, wee, wee. 
and then silence and no one is it's clearly like one you're not supposed to make a sound why did you fucking make a sound it's part of the rules two what was that and like so and three no one got no one felt that vibe so it's just quiet and then he goes uh okay sarah do you want to and i'm like and you and then it's not just that but then the rest of the shot is focusing on his face as he just processes what he just did yeah, you see his I remember, jaw kind of watching that, like, and I, I sent Daniel a text immediately, and I said, "This show of all things <laughs> is the time Nathan Fielder has made me feel more uncomfortable, yeah, than anything else he has ever done, yeah. which is insane considering his career, right? Um, I now, mean, let's let's just say like an it, episode of Nathan uh, for you. Uh, one of his ideas is if you if you and your partner want to have sex in a hotel room, but you have your kids along with the vacation, here's a box you can put them in." Where they can't literally see or hear anything. And then he brings in professional porn stars <laughs> to have sex in a room at the same time as the kid is in the room yes. and tries to and tells the has to tell the parents what the plan is. Yeah. And, and that made me less, less uncomfortable than this scene. <laughs> exactly. In, yeah. So yeah. the other thing I want to bring up while you're talking about this, uh, all these other genres, I, I kind of blurted it out was romance. And like romance yeah. is a big part of this, you know, because when you watch a romance movie, the idea is a, a couple and then they have a fight and then they get back together. You know, that, that kind of thing. Dude, this show had more realistic arguments with the couple mm-hmm. than marriage story did, which is like the, you know, ideal. Like I'm talking on par with like Blue Valentine in terms of the realism. Yeah, I agree. Of the fights with the couple. It drove me insane. I was like, this is too realistic like it's like triggering almost yes it gets really under your skin and that and that and it makes you again it kind of makes you question why why would you still be with this person why are you still with this person why are you still going and and in terms of like the the show and the way that the show is working it kind of you're like but this kind of makes sense this is a perfect pairing because asher is completely computer uh data money finances Finances, how are we going to do this while she's like the actual creative vision of the show so it's kind of a perfect pairing but in terms of the marriage you're like why the fuck are y'all together why? Why does he constantly get berated and uh, completely demeaned by her and then try and defend her life with his a, a moment later? And of course, you you reveal some of his character uh, flaws and aspects and you're like, oh, that's why, because he's fucking insane and not mentally well. But yeah. Yeah, I loved, that's why when I recommended the show to you at first, I said, Taylor might like it too, because of that, because of that part of the show. However, it's only a small percentage of the show. Right. And you were like, she would not like the show. Um, so. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the cuck scenes, I think, would make her really pretty <laughs> uncomfortable. Anyways, so the finale. The finale. Uh, the finale is, again, why I brought up. Uh, there's two things I didn't finish from earlier in terms of my thoughts. So one, I was going to say from the podcast, I was able to listen to talking about this show. The only show they were able to compare it to is a show I've never seen. And it is twin peaks. And I know that twin peaks is also very surreal while having actual plot lines and characters and this and that. So that, that thought I'm going to finish. And then the other thought I didn't finish was talking about the episode structure. These were released weekly. It wasn't uh, all the season at once. Oh, yeah, so yeah. when you finally caught up, it was like, holy shit, you want to watch the finale together? Because we had no idea what to expect. The finale definitely gave you of 
it, it, it's satisfied. I know you said it's unsatisfying as in terms of the show, but it had to be satisfying in terms of uh, I wouldn't have guessed that. They did something I couldn't have guessed. Yeah, like, <laughs> here's what I said about the finale at the end, because one of the things that me and Daniel were talking about, like, I caught up to the show, I think, when it was on episode six. And so I finally caught up, and then we were talking about it like crazy. And then every week, every single week, leading up to the finale, you know, we've been on break for a while, whatever. We've been talking, talking, and talking, and talking about this, you know, uh, uh, show. So leading up to the finale, you know, I... I said this, okay? I said, if the finale had actually done anything that was in the Reddit theories, I would have been disappointed. Like, if if people on Reddit would have been able to guess the ending of this show, I would have been like, all right, that's unsatisfying. That's, you know, uncomfortable because these are the two of the most creative people I know. There's no way they're going to be able to just guess what's going to happen. Yeah. But what it actually did was also very unsatisfying because it had nothing to do with the rest of the show, in my opinion. It was completely fucking unrelated. Nothing that was built up was came to fruition. Nothing that was expected was satisfied. Now, they did have the funniest, made me laugh the hardest thing in the finale ever um, at the very beginning. But, of course, then the rest of the entire series is or the, the rest of the episode is unrelated. The way that this finale is structured in my head is the first half is where they are now. We do a time jump, and then the second half is absolute fucking chaos and surrealism. So the way that the finale plays out is the the end of episode nine, you, you have this attempt almost by Whitney to completely separate herself from Asher because he's holding her back. Like she's actually trying to tell him, I want to divorce. I want to divorce. Essentially. Yeah. And the way that it ends is him going, you know what? I've never been more committed to you in my entire life than right now. That was, you know what? I just, I realized everything I did wrong. I'll do anything for you. The way he says baby was making me so uncomfortable, but anything for you, baby. And like this and that he goes, you know what? No, I'm more here than I've ever been. So you can't fucking get rid of me. Essentially. Very terrifying scene. And then she starts crying. Yes. But like, not like. Not out of sadness. happiness or sadness or. Almost out of fear. Almost out of fear. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. And so, yeah, amazing final scene in in the penultimate episode. So, yeah, you're very like, where where do we go from here? Well, time jump. And we're going to do it in a very interesting way. We're going to do it through an extremely realistic feeling episode of the Rachel Ray cooking show. And eventually she's doing this with her, her guest host. And then eventually there's she's a guy, I think from the Sopranos, from the Sopranos. Yeah. And she's eventually like, by the way, there's a new show on this, uh, HGTV plus, uh, streaming service, which again, very meta cause the, the curse is on Showtime plus uh, very hard to find streaming service type thing. So it definitely felt tongue in cheek that they were doing it this way, but she's like, and it's, it's called the green queen and let's introduce the stars. And now you get a, uh, where are they now? Asher and Whitney are still together and Whitney is pregnant. She has a child in her belly and she has a baby. She is a baby that is about to be born. And, uh, this is a very uncomfortable scene because they're doing this talk show. She asks about the, Oh, you're doing this passive homes. This is, what is this? And she's like, well, yeah, it's kind of like, you don't need AC. It kind of stays, you know, in between this and 78 degrees. She's like, Oh, sounds like living in a thermos. Like Rachel Ray is just talking trash about she's, the homes. She's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like a thermos. And she's like, well, I wouldn't want to live in a yeah, thermos. I wouldn't that sounds awful. That sounds horrible. 
So these meatballs, and they they <coughs> completely ignore. So yeah. So then they go back to the, this is the part where I was laughing so hard. They go back to the cooking part. And they just still have Asher and Whitney <laughs> on the screen behind them. Just smiling. As like a live interview, just smiling <laughs> while they're just not talking about them at all. And they're like, yeah, these would be great for, you know, uh, for kids. And then Nathan comes in or sorry, Asher yeah. comes in and he's like, he's like, yeah, so I'm going to need that recipe uh, here pretty soon. He's like, what? He's like, I'm, I'm going to need that recipe here pretty soon. He's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's just, trying to get them to talk about them being pregnant. And they just won't do it. And they just keep ignoring him. So it's very uncomfortable. I all, We also get one of my top five favorite shots of the entire se- season and, and show, which is right after the segment is done, they have this shot. Again, another voyeuristic shot where it seems like someone's peeping in on them. And everything, all the audio goes away. And it's just slowly zooming in as from the side angle of the producers filming them. And them smiling. So now there's no audio and you don't just see them smiling in context of the show. You see them smiling into the camera in the context of what it would actually look like to be in their house with this being filmed. And it is one of the eeriest, creepiest fucking things I've ever seen. So good. Anyways, so you get your where are they now? Uh, She's practicing for, I think, Shabbat with him. Yeah. Like she's really into it. Like she's like trying her best to really buy into his faith and his religion and his practices. And they start talking about this is what's really interesting when you when you look at the dialogue here in terms of where we go now, because we're still in this. Where are they now? We're playing it very whatever. The show has been kind of not a hit. It's been hard to find for a lot of people. They're like, when is it on? And they're like, it's on a streaming service. Like, it's just very hard yeah. to find. And they're Which is kind of weird because that would be the opposite now. If they were like, oh, it's it comes on on Fridays at nine. You'd be like, I don't fucking have cable. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's it's so, weird yeah, that it's, way. It's not a very good, like the show's not having much success. Oh, well. But they are together. They're trying for each other. And in this, in this scene, they talk about how Kara, who we haven't talked about in the main, in the, main discussion of the show. Kara is an indigenous artist who is quote unquote friends with Whitney. Yes. Whitney can't tell that Kara fucking hates her guts. Yeah. So Kara clearly kisses up to her because Whitney buys her art. Yes. And so there's a whole scene where Kara has to go to a rich guy's house who is someone who typically buys her art. And she tells Whitney straight up. Yeah. I have to go kiss his ass and be buddy buddy with him. Because then he'll buy something. And it doesn't click in her brain that that's the same relationship that she has with her. Yes. Anyways. So bad. It's so so, bad because Whitney does not know that none of her friends are her friends. Yeah. She does not know that nobody likes her. And and at this point, Kara has quit art. And when she's talking about it and why she quit and uh, Asher really defends her. And in this conversation, it feels, again, very meta as to what the actual show, The Curse, we are watching is doing. He says something along the lines of, I understand that you don't under, like, you don't totally, like, understand what she's doing with her art, but sometimes you have to go to extreme lengths to make your point in art. That he says something along those lines. And again, it feels very meta as to what is about to happen, but... They kind of cap off 
this where are they now by close by kind of closing one of the storylines, which is the father of the girl that cursed uh, Nathan's character, Asher. They have given him a free place to live, and it was their plan to kind of kick him out at the very end. So his he is homeless, clearly, and he has these two daughters, and they find him squatting in one of the houses that they just bought, and then they let him live there, and they actually fix up the house and everything, and he basically tells his Whitney, like, well, they can live there for like the next year or so. It's going to be a while before we get it fully ready to sell anyway. Mm-hmm. So they've been letting them live there. Yes. So his this big gift that he's about to give her at this dinner is he says, I'm going, we're going to give, uh, Abshir, we're going to give him the house for free. Like whatever. And because it's the right thing to do. It's yeah. a helping somebody in the community. But so it's, it's him trying to show that he knows her better now, now that he's really committed. You he don't goes, want material don't things, want material things. But then you see her face <laughs> and she's like, I kind of wish I got a necklace. Yeah, because well, again, yeah. she doesn't know who she is. She's that's all the facade. Thing that, that's the thing that pissed me off about that whole thing. Like, you don't even know me. Like, I'm into art and, like, I'm a good person. No, she's and it, the and worst. It's like, no, you're actually, a, it's like he did know you. Now you're, he, you want him to treat you like someone you're not. And that's why you say he doesn't know you. And then in this scene where it's like, I'm going to give you something that you pretend that you want. Yes. And I'm going to give this homeless person a place to live. Now we're going to lose a bunch of money on it. Is that okay with you? And she's like well, can we afford to do that? He's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to take a huge hit, like a huge hit, but it's yeah. fine because it's the right thing to do, right? And she's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, dude, sure. Yeah, um, she's so fucking phony, dude. Yeah, well, that, that's what this Whitney character is one of the most vile characters I've seen on screen in a long time. And she doesn't do anything bad. And the fact that she... She just is bad. Ugh, anyways. The fact that we just saw Emma Stone play one of the most rude... One of the most... Root forable characters, yeah, enduring characters that you want to succeed. Like you're like, oh my god, like go girl, <laughs> like so a, a testament to her acting. She's so good. But anyways, uh, yeah, her her character cares more about how she's perceived than what she actually is. She cares more about appearing good than being good. Um, so anyways, he's like, yeah. So they they have this awesome scene where they go tell uh, Abshir, hey, this house is yours to keep, and they give him a key and this little art piece, and it's just clear. It's just so clear they still have no fucking idea. They have no idea about the reality of anything. Yeah. So they are in their own bubble. It's so insane. Here's something to know right before we tell you this scene about Abshir. Okay. Whitney's parents are, she's trying to separate herself from her parents because her parents are uh, considered slumlords. You know, they have affordable housing and then they kick people out all the time. So she finds out that one of her employees has a relative who was evicted by her parents. So she goes to her parents to confront them. And this is really important to know for this, this next scene. She goes to them and they say, are you talking about the Ripper? And she's like, what are you guys talking about? Like, yeah, he, we called him the Ripper because he came to the unit. He ripped everything out of the walls. He ripped out all of the cables and the, all of the appliances and he sold them online. And then he asked us to come and replace them. And like they showed her pictures of him destroying the entire unit, the entire apartment. And then he was like, yeah. And then we came and we replaced them and then he did it again. So we had to kick him out. And she's like, well, you can't just do that. You can't just kick people out of their homes. Yeah. And everybody's like, what are you talking? Of course you would get fucking kicked out of doing that shit. Like, whatever. And uh, he's like, well, that's just not how reality works. He goes, well, maybe if it was your own fucking money on the line, 
He doesn't say fucking. That's just me being a potty mouth. <laughs> if it, maybe if it was your own money, then maybe you'd understand. Maybe if you had bought something for yourself, and then it's like okay, everything that she does with the passive homes is completely funded by her parents, even though she says she's unrelated to them at all, unrelated to that company, whatever. Um. So yeah. So like she just doesn't like. That's how dumb she is. Like that's how un, unaware she is of the reality. She's like everyone's beautiful and perfect, and everyone deserves a chance. Mm-hmm. You know whatever. Yeah. So. They, they do this big moment and you can, you can tell that they're, tr- they are doing this so that they can get the satisfaction of him going, Oh my God, thank you so much. My white saviors. Thank you so much. You did. You made my life. This yeah. guy could give two fucks because he, they, his character is himself through. He doesn't have, he doesn't hide shit. He's not, he is very openly, uh, how can I best take advantage of each situation I'm given? Because that's how you survive in this world, right? Yeah. And he's he's always played his cards in everything very clearly. When they, they first gave him the house, and they were like, "You can stay here rent free." He's like, "Rent free? Can you get? The, can I get that in writing? Can I get some legal documentation that says that?" He's he's like he he's covering his tracks. Yeah. He's so clearly he's he's kind he's of a such scam a artist. real person too. He, yeah. He's kind of a scam artist. He's like, I've done this before. I know what I need now because I've learned the hard way. He's like, if you're gonna kick me out, I'll go get my attorney. Yep. Yep. He's yeah. like, I'm playing. I'm playing smart. So. And, and they're told early on, like, yeah, squatters' rights are actually a thing in California, right. you know, or whatever. So, so when they go to when they go to give them the news, there's a weird man in the background, and they're like, "Who's that?" And he's Abshir is kind of like, "Hey, dude, get the fuck out! Get get the yeah. fuck out of here!" No, it's just a friend. And they kind of like, All right, "Well, we came to tell you we're going to give this house. It's it's yours forever." And he's like, "Oh, I thought you were going to evict me today." And they're like. I know, like, I know that there's probably, yeah, probably thought that, but no, this is a big thing. And he's like, what about the property taxes? And they're like, what? And he's like, what about the property taxes? Am I going to have to pay those? God, I need you to pay those for me. And, and, they they're like, go, and they're like, yeah, we'll pay them. And he's like, how long, how long will you pay the yeah, property taxes? Yeah, how long tax? will you pay them? We'll, look, we'll pay, we'll take care of that too. We'll take care of that too. And he goes, okay, well, can I get the, uh, can I get the money that you're going to use to pay the property taxes? Can I just get the, get it in cash? Because if I make the deposit and I pay for it, it'll help my credit. So he's just like, he yeah. doesn't, he is thinking about the ins and outs. He's not caring about the gesture. He's not caring yeah. about how. And they're like, sure. Yeah, we can do that. He's like, how long? Yeah. How long until you do that? How long until you give me the, like, the money? You know, whatever. And then even then they're like, they tell him like the house is worth like $400,000 now. And you can see his eyes like light up, you know, it's like, okay, he's clearly just going to take their money, sell this house. He's probably ripping the fucking copper out of the wiring, the walls right now. And that's why. And we even like had a suspicion, me and Dan, like a theory that that guy was the ripper from earlier. You know what I'm saying? Like, just because like he, anyways, it it was just, it was interesting. A lot of this show is like having, having to have theories because they don't get answered. Yeah. Which is, which is great about the show. I love that they put, put enough into it that you can look it further into the show. And I've seen like other stuff too, like because the daughters weren't there in the scene that they were already setting up shop and squatting somewhere else. And that it was someone else's theory and that the guy in the background was actually someone that he was subletting the place to. Oh, and that he was like renting out the rooms. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, anyways, it just, it, it's just very, it falls flat on its face. This whole gesture, uh, there's even a really funny part of the scene where it looks like he's crying and they're like, Oh my God, he's getting so emotional. No, it's totally understandable for you to cry. And he's like, Oh no, it's just dust. <laughs> like in his eyes, it just it was so good. plays so well. And then it's like, okay, 
this is where the the door closes on where they are now. I, I guess the the last actual scene of this is, and this is gonna gonna play into the the second half of the, uh, the episode, is they go home and he's playing. He's kind of like massaging her belly and he's like looking at her belly and he keeps saying there's a little me in there it's there's a little me in there and as he's doing that it kind of just starts zooming in on her face and her reaction to him doing this and it's this very uncomfortable uncertain face of what have i done how did i get here there's gonna be more asher and i don't even like asher yeah like yeah and then that's that's the closing of the door on this show being uh, as grounded as it can be the rest of the episode is that at the Asher, they wake up and Asher is on the ceiling of the home. They're they're They were installing some, uh, some pressurized cabins and installing an AC unit completely going against everything, um, about the house in order to make sure that it was safe for the baby. Yeah. So that they even have a scene where he, he's like, come on, man, don't tell anybody and whatever. And then just some random workers like, I'm going to tell everyone. And they just stand there because I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah. Because they're not supposed to have anything in the home that doesn't make it a passive home. Yeah. You know, for the environment. And so and he's like, he, and this was seen was specifically about the gender of the baby. Oh, that was yeah. about the gender of the, the yeah. baby. But yeah. So it's like while they were doing that, you, again, it just gives more context of these people are so fucking phony. They're fake. They don't even trust their own house. Whatever. So when he wakes up on the ceiling, yeah. they're trying to figure out what's going on. They say, maybe it's that pressurized cabin that we installed and there's some kind of air pocket. Now, it, you as a viewer are like, this is, that's, there's no fucking way. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. That's but ridiculous. Whatever. But they're trying to rationalize You're like, whatever, it. passive homes don't make any sense to yeah, me Yeah, anyway, exactly. So. It's all kind of, like, oh, whatever. And then as this is happening, she just so happened, like they're trying to figure out how to get him off the ceiling. She's starting to go into labor. Yes. And so here we go. Anxiety times 1000. Here's your, here's your Benny Safdie. Here's your Benny Safdie, right? This is, this character is getting pulled up into opposite gravity while she is in labor and is about to have this baby. How do we fix this? How do we do this? So this, it gets more yeah. and more surreal as he starts making his way out of the house that he leaves the house entirely and he is on an awning, and then when he reaches up above the awning, he's still feeling gravity pull him up. So then, Dougie comes to the house while Whitney goes to the hospital. So Dougie's now at the house with uh, Asher mm -hmm. because he has tried to leave the house and goes flying up into a tree, and he's holding onto a tree, and he's like, if I let go, I'm going to just keep going up. Yes, and as a viewer, you, are, you know it. You're like... Do not let him let go of the tree. He will fly up into fucking space. Right. We know it's it's this weird like this. It's this a little bit of dramatic irony. Like that's what it is. You know, like we saw him fly up. We know he's flying up. We know gravity has been reversed on him, but nobody else does. And they're all regular people in the show. So they're like, obviously, that's that's impossible, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. So they just don't understand. Like even Dougie's like, man, you he's like. He's like, I flew up here. And he's like, yeah, man, you got up there pretty quick. Like, you flew up there, bro. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like, like you know, damn, you're so scared of being a dad. You're running away from it. You don't want to go. You know, Whitney's going to the hospital right now. Why aren't you with her? 
Yeah, he's like, come and on down from the tree. He's like, I literally can't come down. Yeah. He's like, I know you feel like you literally <laughs> yeah. can't come down, but no. It's like, so it's just, yeah. this, it gives you this feeling of no one's fucking listening to me. No one's believing me. It is the worst feeling. And, and I really related to it. And of course, yeah, Dougie's also like, get the cameras now, which maybe Dave relates to. He's like, dude, we got to, we got to, we got to film this shit. We got to film this shit. And then he like, like, even when the firemen show up to go up into the tree, one of the things he asked him, he's like, hey, can you take this lavalier up there? We'll be able to hear him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to get this shit for footage and for camera. Again, it's just his personality. He's going to do whatever he wants to get what he needs and what he wants. And Asher. And so Whitney's obviously going to the hospital to have his baby. A lot of the editing choices in this finale seem very intentional and metaphorical as well. But anyways, the the absolute pinnacle scene to me in this episode, this episode is the firefighters cutting him from the tree because it is the best performance that Nathan gives all season in terms of acting. And it is, it is just the highest anxiety ever because he's telling them, here's what I need you to do. I need you to put a net around my back, fully secure me in the net and then tie that net to the fire truck. Because once you cut the branch, I will fly away. You yeah. guys are not understanding this. And they're like, yeah, 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 we could do this all the time. We do this all the time. Trust us. They kind of haphazardly throw the net over the thing, over his back. And then they start cutting the tree. And he's like, whoa, I told, yeah. is it tied to the truck? I told you to tie it. And he's like, Dougie, 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 please, please tell them to stop. Please tell them to stop, please. And he's freaking out. He's screaming. Yeah. And Don't, they, they even stop, put like stop. a pad on the ground because they're fully expecting him to just to fall. fall. Yeah. So it's like extremely anxiety inducing. And then and we're screaming like, what are you doing? Yeah, Stop. don't. And they, they chainsaw it. Boom. It finally severs and he flies into space. This is, you get, a, you keep going back. They, they, again, very intentional editing. They go from what Whitney's experiencing to what Asher's experiencing. And she's in the hospital. Oh, hey, we're going to need to do a C-section. And they start cutting her open as he's getting cut from the tree. Now he's floating into the space right as the baby's being born. They keep cutting back and forth of him flying into space. He does fly into space. He's in this really weird position. He's just going to die alone in space while the baby has been born. And they say, do you want us to call your husband? And she's like, oh, oh, Asher. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, sure. I guess. So she went from really needing him and wanting him there to for the pregnancy to forgetting he fucking exists. And the final shots of the entire show are they play this recurring song by Alice Coltrane that is very haunting and spiritual sounding. They play this song as they have multiple shots of the town, of the city, that kind of feel like you're a ghost floating through consciousness a little bit. And then the final shot is that very con- floating ghost conscious shot floating into the entry of their home. Cut to black. Title card. Titles or whatever. Credits. Yeah. And that's the and show. The thing is, is that I love the finale as an episode, if that makes sense. I thought it was like extremely. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was extremely creative. I thought it was very like compelling and visually interesting. The reason why I wasn't a big fan of it, like I said, was just because it felt unsatisfying. It felt like it left all the things I was hoping would come to fruition, you know, be explored. Whereas it just went away from those things. And so it just felt like those elements of the show weren't fully fleshed out enough for me to feel satisfied with it. 
but I understand why people love it so much. And I understand the juxtaposition of Nathan and the baby and, you know, him, them being like one and the same and that they can't exist together and like, you know, all these different things. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just, I, I feel like I wish I, I wish some of the other things would have come through more so than that did. Yeah. I, I think that this is, again, I think it ties into what he says before. And he says, sometimes you have to go to extreme lengths to make your point. I think it's going to, it's so impactful to me because it's something I am still thinking of every day. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I'm also That's fair. extremely excited to rewatch this series and try and look for some stuff that might be pointing to this conclusion and trying to find some details in a rewatch that might piece some of the puzzle together for me. I agree. And I will yeah. also be rewatching this. We really hope that you guys watch this too. Dude, so go watch Please go check this out. Now, to round out the episode, we are going to talk about the only movie that Daniel and I saw together. Yes. And this is a movie that we will not be rewatching. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> we I definitely don't want to. Barely watched the first time. Yes. And this movie has been nominated for Best Picture, so be aware of that. We actually might be the only people who have a negative opinion on this movie. Yes, this based is based on what I've been based on what we what Daniel's been reading, based on the conversations we've had with the only other people we know have seen the movie. Mm-hmm. This is the the big, most controversial negative opinion of a movie we've had in a while. I think so. Um, and it is the zone, zone of, of interest. interest. Now, here's some taglines that we came up with for the movie. <laughs> the zone of disinterest. The ZZZZZ zone of interest. <laughs> the zone of interest, colon space, where? <laughs> it ain't in this theater. Um, the zone of interest is something I've been looking forward to uh, for a while because of the talks before it was even premiering in America yet. The hype around it. Um I, I was like, yo, I got to get familiar with this guy's style before I watch this movie because I know that he made Under the Skin, which is a, also a very, uh, people really like that, like critics really like that movie. So I went back, I watched Under the Skin for the first time. I believe the, the review is still on our Instagram um, uh, highlights page. And I was a, a fan of it. I was like, this is like, I think I gave it a six and a half out of 10, maybe a six out of 10. I was like, it's a very kind of slow burn type of movie, but it has some extremely horrifying scenes, really cool score, amazing ending, beautiful shots, beautiful, beautiful shots. Just there's so much that works for it. It's a great performance from Scarlett Johansson. Just a lot going for it. So it got me more hyped for this movie being his second after, I mean, that was 2013. So long time, 10 years later. Um, coming out with his second feature or from what I know, he might have other ones. I'm, I'm not totally sure, but anyways, um, this movie, let's just say what the movie's about. The movie is about, uh, the Haas family, a Nazi family that lived right on the other side of Auschwitz, um, the camp in Auschwitz. Um, and that's, that's the plot. Is it not? Um, that's the plot. Yeah, that's the plot. Um, so I guess if you want to say what the plot of the movie is, is it's about the main guy and how he revolutionized the uh, gas chamber industry, or you know, if yeah. you want to call it that. Um, now, the the problem with this movie is that 
and, and I'm just going to, you know, throwing this out there, I'm not giving this movie a score. I'm not going to give it a score at all. Mm-hmm. Because to say that this movie was good or that this movie was bad... Oh, yeah, this, this, the curse is a 9 out of 10 for me. Oh, yeah, the curse. Well, I would give every episode a different score, and then I would average oh, okay. it out. So I don't... That's why I don't <laughs> give it a score. But... That's why we don't do mo- that's why we don't do TV. That's why I don't do TV shows. shows. Yeah. Um, this movie the reason I'm not going to give it a score is because something would have had to have happened for me to say that that thing was good or bad. Mhm. So I can't even score this movie cuz it was just so nothing. Like here here's here's what I said about it. If you had taken a picture of this family and they're all standing together and they're all smiling and then their home is in the background or whatever. And then you, it went viral. And then it was a, 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 a picture of this family. And then a caption or a, you know, whatever was on the picture that said, this is the Haas family. This guy created the gas chambers or the, um, you know, the, the furnaces that uh, burned the Jewish people alive during the Holocaust. They're, the home that they're standing next to is right up against the wall of Auschwitz. That would have been just as impactful of a social media post or, you know, saying a viral post of me learning something than this entire movie was, Mm. because that's the entire movie. It's this family who's a normal family who just does normal things lived right next to Auschwitz. And so the whole movie is just them doing normal things and being doing nothing and just absolute boring fucking nothing nonsense on the screen while Auschwitz is in the background. Yes. That's the whole movie. And it was so boring. It was so boring. I fell asleep during the movie. <laughs> David I fell asleep literally fell asleep multiple the times. And Daniel goes to wake me up, you know, during the movie. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I'm missing something. So I wake up. And then later, I was like, hey, Dan, what, what, what happened? And, and he said, oh, so the guy was at the doctor. And he said, how many bowel movements do you have per day? And he said, two. And I was going to say, are you jealous? But you were sleeping. And I was like, oh, so I didn't miss anything important or impactful to the movie. No. Okay, cool. Absolutely nothing happens in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an extremely boring movie. Extremely boring. I think of... Uh I don't know if Brad still, my friend Brad, I don't know if you, uh, young Brad, I don't know if you still listen to this podcast or not. He was pretty mad about the bullet train thing, which he, was about a year ago. Yeah, so Brad is not a fan of how critical we are of movies, even though the point of this podcast is to be critical of movies. And, uh, but anyways, I thought of Brad with this because I was like, he would fucking hate this movie because I remember Brad having, he, he didn't understand how much I loved the tree of life. He was like, that movie's so fucking boring. And I was like, I know when I first saw Tree of Life in theaters, I almost walked out because I was so bored. I watched it again years later and I wept like a baby and I was, I felt so connected to it. This movie's more boring than a Tree of Life. And so I'm like, Brad would hate, I feel like Brad would hate this movie. And, yeah. and um, our mom would hate this movie too. She watched like five minutes of Melancholia and she like fucking turned that shit off. Yeah. It was so, but yeah, it, Nothing, nothing happens. Happens in the movie. This is a family, and the family lives next to Auschwitz. Here, oh, I, something we haven't even talked about in person yet, uh, much less on the pod. The opening to this movie is this beautiful and haunting song with a black screen for like uncomfortably long amount of time. Oh yeah, yeah. It says I thought it, that the, our projector was broken. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just swear to God, I did. So what happens, so the very opening of this movie is they do that, and then it has the, um, it says zone of interest on the screen, on a black screen with white text, zone of interest. And then the words zone of interest start to fade away over the course of about five minutes. Yeah, it's just a black screen. So about and you five hear, minutes of just that fading out. You hear that like, song continuously play, continuously play until eventually you get sounds of some water and nature. Again, black screen. Nothing's happened. And then eventually, after an uncomfortable amount of time, picture finally fades in and it's a family at the lake slash river or whatever. Yeah. And it's just a really still shot of them hanging out. And that and that is really a testament to what the movie provides entertainment wise. Again, I we reached a point where I thought our projector was broken and we were only hearing the audio. Now, listen, we do understand the significance of the scene of them finding bones in the river and, and the, the family being covered in ash smoke that was contaminating the nature of everything. OK, yes, Auschwitz was so bad that it actually tainted the entire country. That's the metaphor of them tainting the rivers with the blood of, and the ashes of the Jewish people. We understand the metaphors of the flowers and them bringing in life into the world while taking life away and them caring so much about the flowers, but then not about the human lives that are being taken away in the past. We understood the metaphor of the guy walking down the stairs at the end of the movie while they're cutting back to people still cleaning up his messes that he caused to this day. And he's descending into hell as he does this. Now, at the same time, though, the 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 thing I said about the movie, and this is the probably most offensive thing that I said about the whole movie was um, while the movie was intentionally trying to do the opposite of this, I felt like the majority of the movie felt like a Nazi sympathizer movie. And I know Daniel didn't get the same vibe from than I that I did. I have an update on that though. But but because the reason why I say that is that the movie felt like the plot of it to me was Nazis. They're just like the rest of us. <laughs> They're just like us. Like they have families and they cared about each they other. They had to get relocated. And they had, they had to get her, her husband had to move jobs <laughs> and she, how was she supposed to take care of her kids? <laughs> Like, like these are just normal people that are just like us who have struggles and we should care about them. Like, that's literally what the fucking movie felt like to me. Like a Nazi sympathizer. Like, they're just like us. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I don't fucking care. I hope all of them get fucking shot in the head and flayed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't fucking care about these yeah. people. They're fucking Nazis. <laughs> like, yeah, they definitely like, so that's, that's where the line is, is towed because they're just showing the family existing, right? And so there is like a scene where the little boys are playing with each other and the older brother puts the little kid into the greenhouse and locks it and he starts making gas chamber noises. He goes, psh, psh. like it has these moments where it's like, oh, they're showing these people being awful. They're showing how, how awful they really are. So it's not necessarily sympathizing with them, but hey, look, it's been a little bit since we've seen this. I've been trying to make light. Like I'm, I've been trying to, I felt like I was missing something because it's nominated for best picture. It has so much hype around it. People that I love, love this movie and I'm trying to figure out what I'm missing. So I'm trying to read as much information as I can. I believe that this movie is more fun to read about and talk about than it is to watch. Um, I, I eventually 
found this little clip from Instagram, which by the way, I was actually, this is one of my hot takes. I think that this would be a better, I think this project, a zone of interest would be better as an Instagram reel, like a minute 30 Instagram reel than as a feature length movie. I just said it at the beginning, a a better social media post. Right. So like, that's really where I do stand with it. Um, But yeah, so the director, Jonathan Glazer, is talking about this movie. And at the very end of this clip, it's a lot of like how we made this and uh, how we came up with this idea, this and the, and at the very end, he says something along the lines of, I I can't completely quote it, but he says, Nazis, they're just like us. A little bit. He says, um, you know, people forget that before these people, before this family committed these heinous crimes, it was just a man and a woman. And it was just a man trying to find a job. It was just a woman with her husband before they committed these crimes. And w- one of our goals with this movie was to have the audience watching this to make them look at themselves, for us to look at ourselves and who we are and how we. And then I immediately, I like, I said this out loud as I was watching this clip on Instagram. Well, I'm not a fucking Nazi. <laughs> yeah. I, I, fuck, fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Uh, I want us to really look at ourselves and who we are. Okay, did. I just did. Not a Nazi. Not still, a fucking Nazi. Still not a Nazi. Oh, um, let me check again. Yep. No, yeah, still no, not, not a Nazi. Nazi. What, like, what is this? What are you fucking talking about? This is so pretentious Because jargon. you say that bullshit, but then you look at it at the other way. And what you really want us to do is to project ourselves onto them and to say, they're not that bad. Like, I, like they're just like guys. I think I think he might be talking in this turn of fr- like this this phrasing of America. I think that's what he really means. I want us as an us, like the country. Yeah, America was built on fucking slavery and horrible things. Yes. Yeah, the uh, genocide of the indigenous people. Yeah, yeah we um, got it. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to uh, just want to really make that clear. This is not a pro-Nazi podcast. Right. Uh, we, we, Hey, I know really harsh stance, really bold stance. Nazis bad. Nazis bad. I'll come out and say it. Wild dream. Nazis bad. We are against Nazis. Yes. Um, so I just, I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. I don't, this is a very, very boring movie. Um, in terms of filmmaking aspects, like all the meaning of the movie aside, um, all of the metaphors and narrative and this and that. The way the movie is filmed pissed me off at points because here, here's, a, here's an action that can be told through filmmaking. A girl rides her bike home to her house. Okay, how are we going to film this? One, let's ask ourselves, why should we film it? <laughs> Does this need to be in the movie? Anyways, two, uh, how about we have a shot of her riding home and then we cut and she's uh, coming into the door. That should work. Hey, what if we do this? What if we have a shot of her riding home? And then we have another shot of a different location of her riding home. And then we have a shot outside of the house of her arriving home. And then we have another shot of her walking up the steps to the back porch. And then we have a shot of her entering the back porch. And then we set up for another shot inside the house of her walking into the door from inside. Bro, and fuck then we, off. And then we cut back to off. the other side so we can see that she did completely enter the home. Fuck off. Fuck off. This movie, 42 look, shots I'm getting of somebody more mad riding think, a bike and I'm then getting, getting more mad. Home. I'm getting more mad thinking about it and really remembering a lot of these It's just bad sequences. filmmaking, man. It's just sequence after sequence of, of drawing out, let's make a one minute action take 10 minutes to say, to show on screen. Fuck off. This is so 
un- annoying and unnecessary. And I don't care that I'm supposed to be like, wow, this is poetry. Fuck you. No, it's not. Yes. Nothing is happening. This is not a movie. There's no need to make a movie now, of this. Now, here's... Yeah, so uh, uh, another point to what you were saying with this, too. Isn't it so awesome when you watch a movie and then later on someone goes, oh, did you know in that scene that if you look in the background, this is happening? Like like when you first watch Fight Club and then you find out that in the background when he gets when Tyler gets kicked in the head, that the narrator in the back, his head jolts. Right, up, yeah. and it's like, oh, that's really cool to find out. Well, there's a scene in this movie where while kids are playing in the back or in the in the foreground, in the background, you can see smoke start to come out of the the thing of, uh, of in Auschwitz, uh, the scene holds a still shot of them playing in the background while that's happening in the back for 10 minutes. So it's impossible to miss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very clearly, it's, it's very clearly you go, Oh shit. There's smoke that's the, in the problem back. with this movie. When you, so when you get it, it, you got it. Yeah. But guess what? You get it within the first 10 minutes. You get it. Yeah. You figure this out really early on you and then you're like, okay. Yeah. And then another fucking hour and a half, whatever. So and the rest of the movie is pointing back at that feeling and that point. And going, yeah. Get it. And, and you know what? Insane? Here's what's funny too. Cause we, we had talked to somebody who they were really, really into the negative part of it. So there's a, a point of the movie where. Oh, the thermal it, vision. It's showing a thermal vision of somebody like picking apples and then like, you know, giving them to people at Auschwitz. And, um, the thing about that scene was that they were like really looking into that scene, but me and Dana had already found out that the reason why they did a negative or a heat signature thing was because they weren't allowed to reveal where they were because they shot so close to actual Auschwitz that they couldn't reveal their location of exactly where they were shooting. So they had to distort the footage in some way. Yeah, because so they, they couldn't set up lighting and stuff because they they weren't really supposed to be filming there. Exactly. So they had to shoot it. Through thermal vision. Yeah. So it was a practical choice. It was a practical choice, but, and it's not an artistic choice, and so people are reading into it like it was yeah. an artistic choice. But anyways, just like like the way that like people are like reading into it, it's like I'm glad like I'm glad other people can get something out of this movie. Can I just say that? I'm really happy that people can watch the movie and get something out of it and really appreciate it. I'm just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. And, and and here's what's interesting about this because. You and I got in a small argument at the end of the the, the finale of The Curse, okay? Mm-hmm. And there was something that you said, and I said the opposite of it, and I've been thinking about it every day since then. <laughs> I'm glad that you went on that rant, because now I can bring this up again, okay? You said that plot is an element of film, and that film can exist without plot as an art form. And I said, I disagree. I think that filmmaking is a form of storytelling and therefore a film without a story is bad. So now that you've watched a movie with no plot (laughs) and you're angry that nothing happens, can you understand why I feel like filmmaking should be a form of storytelling as opposed to storytelling just being an element of film? I think they're way too different of projects to even compare. I disagree entirely. I think you should admit that I'm <laughs> this right is the and most, say that uh, you're wrong. There's literally no surrealism in this in this film at all. So it's like I can't really understand the argument for the curse finale with 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 this. Um, but I mean, yes, I can say if so, that's the thing though. You, your complaint about about uh, uh, the curse finale was not it was boring. You were like, yeah, it's entertaining, but 
what the fuck does this serve to the purpose of the I other guess, nine episodes? Which I understand your frustration. Yeah. I understand your frustration. You're like, I'm this thing that was getting set up. This thing was getting that that was getting set up. I get it. This was. This was. Uh, uh, what am I watching? Why am I watching a woman walk around her house, pick up laundry, talk to a, a, a house worker, and compare some clothes, and then accidentally spill something, and then cut to outside, and there's some uh, clothes on a, 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 a little wire outside that are drying, uh, and then some soldiers walk up, and they talk to the dad, and I'm like, what the fuck am I? Wa- what am I watching? What am I? This is yeah. so boring. I guess what it comes down to like the difference between TV and film, of TV and movies, where TV every episode is its is a story. Therefore, that story has a beginning, middle, and end. And the story of the finale of the curse does exist. Like there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. A narrative story that is in entertaining and and compelling and my complaint was that it doesn't relate to the rest of the story Mm -hmm. so from that perspective i am still right filmmaking is a way to tell (laughs) stories and if you do film to not tell the story it's very boring which is what happened in this they use film not in a way as of to tell a story like i guess they're telling a story of a guy who works on the fucking thing but it's like okay well if you want to talk about a historical biopic type movie where a guy works on something that ends up being catastrophic fucking go watch Oppenheimer (laughs) you know what I'm saying much better story honestly that is a great comparison of to well here's a historical drama um, and here's a historical drama which one's more entertaining well uh, Oppenheimer was more entertaining and also it was shorter actually it's not it's extremely longer. What do you mean? The zone of interest is only an hour and 40 minutes. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, this was the longest feeling movie ever. Yeah, yeah. Ever. I remember I, I left with like f- two minutes left in the movie. I left to go refill my drink because I thought the movie had another fucking 20 minutes because I was like, there's no fucking way the movie's coming close to an end, right? Yeah, Dave woke up from his nap, was like, I'm thirsty. <laughs> and then I left and I came back and I was like, what did I miss? And Daniel was like, he just shook his head. And I was like, I didn't miss anything, I guess. Um, but yeah, my, my point is that we understand that there is something to get out of the movie. Yes, the movie is more fun to read about than it is to watch. But that's also why the movie is not as good as as what it's being hyped up to be, I guess, in our opinion. And our opinion is the one that matters. You guys come to us. Listen, we're um, not part of the Academy yet. 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 All right. We've submitted our applications for the 10th time. This year's going to be our year. This okay? is going to be our year. But you guys know that uh, you come here for us to tell you if a movie was good or bad. So zone of interest. Go read about it. Don't go see it. I hope it doesn't win. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I feel like I'm missing something. I just did not click with me. Now, I don't want to just leave without saying anything positive about the movie because there are positives. There, uh, I think we both had the, uh, the same favorite part of the movie, which was this very stylistic shot of one of the, it's like an orchid or what, 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 whatever kind of flower it is. It's red flower and it bleeds into red on the entire screen. Entire screen bleeds red. With this music, this haunting music playing. A little bit of haunting music and just, and then even the music drops and it's just the sounds of a prisoner on the other side of the wall screaming in 
It's blood curling. It's it's yeah. It's very intense. Very cool scene. The thermal vision scenes. I thought that was very funny that uh, people were there's a bunch of different people with a bunch of different takes and metaphors on it. And it's so funny because I liked the thermal scenes, but not for metaphors because I literally was like, this looks cool. This looks badass. Yeah. So my just dumb brain liked it for the same reasons as people's smart brains. I was like, this looks cool. And they were like, this means something. <laughs> and so we both had the same outcome. We both liked it, but for different reasons. So I liked the thermal scenes and I loved the score. I thought the music was fucking awesome and it sounded really cool and it was very different and kind of haunting and a lot of vocal uh, Gregorian <laughs> chant type shit. Very like, oh, like I, I thought it was very cool and very haunting. Um, there were a couple of shots in the movie that were very well framed and like really cool put together like the one of the kids getting in the pool with the smoke pillowing in the background looked badass like looked awesome it was almost kind of Wes Anderson-esque weirdly because it was very center frame and yeah just like okay cool so there were was stuff that was that I appreciated about the movie um I thought that the acting was very natural I thought that the acting was very very yeah, natural in a way you Good could acting. say the acting is phenomenal in that I believed that these people were fucking boring boring fucks. mundane <laughs> yeah um so Yes, there are things that I appreciate about it, but Jesus Christ, I do not ever want to watch this movie again. It was so boring. So boring. Okay, one more check-in. Are we still not Nazis? All right, looking at myself. Let me, let me look at myself through the lens of that. Uh, you know, the lens is the mind's eye, which we learned from <laughs> Video Drum. And the uh, lens to the mind's eye is in, in peek into the soul, which is the camera of the mind's eye. And with that in mind, I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a, I'm not Nazi. a fucking I'm Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. Um, so, Jonathan Glazer, thank you so much for making us really look at it ourselves. Um, I'm not a Nazi. And, and um, we hope you guys aren't Nazis either. Uh, we say no Nazis get to listen to this podcast. If you're a Nazi, don't listen to Wild Dream. Uh-uh. Not for you. All right. Do you better not see this podcast? Yeah. Okay. There's plenty of other podcasts out there for you. We'll say that. <laughs> but this is not one of them. So, Wild Dream, we're officially against Nazis. Thank you guys so much for listening to us rant that about is our January all of these recap. movies and this TV show that we have been obsessing about over January. I did also recently watch the Mario movie, but I know that didn't come out in January, so I wasn't going to talk about it. But. Mario movie was a four out of ten. Four? That's high. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also an hour thirty, so go check it out. It's on, hey. it's on uh, Netflix. Um, I won't, but okay. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back with season four soon a couple okay. weeks a couple of weeks give us a few give weeks. us a few weeks hopefully this holds you over um if you haven't seen our instagram you know there are things you can do during our time off you can always go back and re-listen to every single episode you can make everyone you know listen to re every every episode um and you could uh Make sure that you're ready for season four to come out. And mm -hmm. also go ahead and just start sending us shit you want to hear for season four. If you have a movie on your list that's coming up that you want to hear, go ahead and send it to us. If you have a listener submission you might want to hear at some point in season four, go ahead and send it to us. We're, we're more than happy to field these while we're on break. Yes. So. And we still love our reviews. Five star reviews. Please hit us up. Uh, leave your reviews. Um, you can get 
I w- I'm curious what you think of the new logo and the new song. Um, am I trash? Should I give up on my dreams? Should I not make music? Let me know. But until then, <laughs> you can get involved in the conversation. Let us know at Wild Dream Pod, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. X. <laughs> we love you. We kiss you. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Mwah. Mwah.